What's up, folks? Welcome back to Fourth and Infinity. This week, we're recapping week 11 of the NFL season. As you heard last week, we took the week off in terms of doing a full episode. Arcadio joined me for a little quick uh, recap and preview of the week 11 that we had to come. We'll mention uh, some of the big goings on in week 10, especially how uh, our teams did, the teams that played last week, that is. We'll get into that in just a moment, uh, but before we get to that, I'll introduce the boys. Introduced? Uh, I'll introduce the boys as always. First off, Bobby, how you doing? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm still recovering. <laughs> that was that was a game. That was a roller coaster. Yeah, but uh, I think I'm good. I think you're mark. good. Yeah. Sorry, Bobby. Was that this week or last week? Uh, both. Weeks? Well, the first one two weeks ago was was at least a fun heart attack. This one, I I, I think I I just left the hospital now. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that shortly. So that's how you're doing, Janet. How you doing? As long as the Niners keep winning, things are good. Okay. So things might be good. We'll get to that in just a second as well. Last but not least, Arcadia, how you doing, bud? Look, as long as the Raiders keep winning, things are good. Oh, things uh, are that bad, huh? That bad, huh? Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that in due time as well. Uh, so we will go into the Week 11 recaps here. Uh, three of our teams played last week. The Chiefs did not. We'll get to the Chiefs last because they were on Monday Night Football this week. The team we'll start with is Bobby's Lions, who played the Bears this week and the Chargers the week before. So go into each game however much you want to, bud. Yeah, I guess I'll briefly mention the Chargers game. Um, so, I mean, that one was a was a wild one. Um, the offense was incredible. Uh, we were moving the ball you know, up and down the field that, and they couldn't really stop us. The defense, we were kind of, we started out pretty good. Um, and then to end the game, we gave up five straight touchdown drives. That one was more like, it's a shootout. It's the first shootout that we've won in this kind of Dan Campbell era. Uh, whenever mm-hmm. we've gotten into him in the past twice with Seattle, uh, we've lost them. Uh, so that was good to see that we could close out that kind of game. Um, Goff played, played great. Um, Amon Ra did his thing. Both Gibbs and Montgomery did their things as well. So that was just an offense. Great defense needed to clean it up. I had a lot more thoughts, but I feel like there's a lot to get to with the Bears game. So I'm going to get more into that. Going into it, look, it's a division game. They're always going to be a little weird. Um, I think Arcadio brings up brings that up a lot. But like, yep. I, I never count it as, a, as an easy win, even if it on paper it should be. And the Bears being who they are and Fields coming off his injury. I mean, Fields gives them a boost, but who knows kind of what he was going to look like. Uh, well, he looked great. Um, especially with his legs. Uh, it was a this was an, an incredibly frustrating watch. Um, just to give an idea, the Lions had the ball for a total of 19 minutes and 36 seconds, while the Bears had it for <laughs> 40 minutes and 24 seconds. So <laughs> defense was on the field a lot. Um, we turned the ball over four times, including three Goff picks. Two of them were, were kind of weird ones, and one was definitely his fault. But one, uh, Laporta got hit off his route. Um, kind of incidental contact, uh, and so an easy is an easy one. And then uh, the other one was a tip ball at the line. Goff didn't play a great game. He threw another one that could have been a pick six, like a 98-yard pick six uh, oh, yeah. that, that the Bears dropped. Frustrating, like I said. The Bears started out with a touchdown in their opening drive. We couldn't stop Fields running. Um, Lions, then we were moving the ball well, and Laporta got run into on his route, with, like I said, with that pick. So that was our first drive. But like we held them in the first half, even with our turnovers, and only gave up a field goal. Uh, and then we scored a, a long touchdown. Well, not a long touchdown, but a 75-yard touchdown drive uh, that ended with an Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown, which was good. So somehow we were outplayed and then we're up 14-10 at half. Um, <laughs> it didn't feel like we should have been. It looked like that luck was going to run out because in the second half, didn't start out any better. We gave up a field goal to start, but then 
on the next kickoff, uh, Craig Reynolds, um, who does not usually return kickoffs, uh, fumbled. He had a really good return. It was kind of a low kick, um, and he returned it out to like the 40 and then fumbled the ball and turned it over. Um, and that led right to a DJ Moore touchdown, a long one to make it 20 to 14. Goff then threw another pick, so he just didn't have the ball ever this half. And at that point, I was just not enjoying life, but we gave up just another field goal. Like the defense was kind of bend, don't break with a lot of these turnovers. The first half, we didn't, we only gave up just one field goal off the turnovers. The second half, it was like a field goal and a touchdown off the turnovers or something like that. It looked like we were going to maybe hold them to like a a shorter drive at one point when they were up 23 to 14 and then fields broke off like a 30 yard run on third down. Um, and that looked, cause this was like an eight minute, 45 second drive at that point. And it brought the game down to just under four minutes left. And they kicked a field goal to go up 28, 14 when we stopped in there. So or 26, 14. So under four minutes, 26, 14. Um, and somehow, uh, somehow we ended up winning this game and I really don't know how, <laughs> but the crowd was booing a, a little bit here. Like even on this drive, we started it with, a a run and the fans kind of booed the call, even though it was like, okay, it got like five yards. It's fine. Um, but we kind of moved it methodically down the field and then just hit a deep pass to JMO for a touchdown, which is massive. Cause we, it only took a minute and like 14 seconds to score a touchdown. Um, so we gave the ball back to the bears and here's where I just think it's really poor coaching on the bear side with Eberflus or whoever is calling the play as their offensive coordinator, because like clearly if they had gotten a couple of first downs, I mean, the game's over or at least it gives us very little time. Uh, instead, they hit from the shotgun, hand the ball off twice up the middle, don't give it to Fields, and we stuff them. They only get one yard on those two plays. Um, and I get one was a was a read, and Fields could have kept it, and he didn't. But like I think you just give the ball to Fields there because we couldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, at least get more than just like you know the one yard. And then on third down, uh, they throw a deep pass down the sideline, uh, and it, he just misses his guy. I think it was a pretty good pass, and the receiver... Um, he didn't really stumble, but he kind of looked up and was looking for the ball and kind of stopped running a bit. So that was definitely nice. Uh, we got the ball back with like 2.44 left. We had plenty of time. Drove it down pretty methodically. Goff, these last two drives, really the the last drive of the first half and the last two drives in the second half, Goff looked fantastic. And the rest of the game, he was not great. Um, but when we, when we needed him, it counted. Uh, he... Got us down the field with 29 seconds left. We were on the one-yard line, and uh, after Gibbs kind of almost got in, the Bears took a timeout, so we put Montgomery in there, who was able to get the uh, go-ahead touchdown at that point, um, which was cool against his former team in a revenge game. He had a good game in general. Uh, both he and Gibbs did. I think it was Gibbs had 95 yards between receiving and uh, and rushing, and then Montgomery had 98, so they both were right around 100 yards which is good to see to have that kind of duo back there. Bears get the ball and then instant strip sack by Hutch to just end the game. Um, mm-hmm. Their lineman kicks it out of the back of the end zone <laughs> for safety. safety, which was just makes it even better. I don't know how it happened. We like never had the ball because of four turnovers. The Bears were running the ball and controlling the clock for most of the game. And somehow the Lions pull out a win. Uh, we have not won the game like that. Like, I feel like I've said this a lot with a lot of these yep. wins. This is another one where like we've never I've never seen our team win a game like this where we were absolutely dominated on like kind of all sides of the ball, especially especially with the turnovers um, mm-hmm. and the time of possession and somehow came back to win. We just made plays when we needed them. Uh, so that was good to see. I don't want to live like this every week, <laughs> but like 
you know, if this was a game, I feel like is one of those letdown games that we were supposed to lose as far as how we played and we somehow pulled out a win. So I'm happy with it. Let's move on. Not look back at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully the D playing kind of like they did where like just getting enough stops when we need them and like timely stops goes is good going forward because in the chargers game, it looked like we couldn't stop anyone at all. And then they started, then the bears started their first drive with the touchdown. So seeing the big stops, the big strip sack, like we need those big plays on D and then the offenses looked good other than the turnovers, which I think two were kind of fluky, even though Goff had a bad game in general, other than those really those three drives. So yeah, it's a, it was a wild game. It was a very frustrating watch. And then just like a let, you know, you just let out all of your like deep, your, you can finally breathe again by the time it ends somehow. Uh, another shout out to Alan Ross St. Brown, who like, it's just so nice to have a, a true sure-handed receiver who just, you know, doesn't drop balls. He's very, very reliable. Um, it goes to show what it's team can do. Uh, but when your receivers like don't drop passes, you know, kind of that, that reliable presence that you can always go to. He's like a young Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not quite as tall, but yeah. Yeah, what I was going to say about him is that I would maybe, can't call him the best receiver in the league right now. At their peak, like yeah, A.J. Brown, right. Terry Kill are probably better at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you look at a median Amon Ross St. Brown game, he doesn't have the duds that those two guys have. No. no like what, he's what consistent he is, as all hell. Yeah, he is the most consistent player. I mean, he is, like, he's the ultimate uh, security blanket. Cause like he just, he doesn't drop anything. And when he does, he's incredibly mad at himself. Like <laughs> you, you just see it and it, do, and it doesn't happen oft, often. And he catches things like off his shoe tops, like all the time. Cause Goff just knows I'm, well, I'm going to put it the only place that like anyone can catch it. And it's Amon Ra and mm-hmm. it's going to be right on the ground. And that was what, that was his touchdown pass was like a catch. Like it was right at his, at his shins um into the end zone and like he was it was either going to be an incomplete pass or he's going to catch it but he catches him like 99 percent of the time mm-hmm. so like yeah he's he's not the fastest receiver he's not the tallest receiver but he runs great routes has great hands um and is just a smart player so like yeah if jmo can get going and we have that true kind of speed guy which that was cool to see jmo actually he only had two catches but he looked really good um and he played a lot more snaps than usual um he was up I think he played like 65% of the snaps, something like that, which is a lot more than he had in the past. Um, and he looked good on his touchdown, ran a good route, had another good catch. And like, he, he's always been a good blocker. So hopefully he gets going some, uh, and we, he can be more consistent, but if teams have to look out for that deep, deep ball, like that's a, that's a big deal. Cause the reason he was even open on that play is they, they jumped on the Amon Ra route, which was below him. They ran, they, they had Amon Ra and JMO stacked on top of each other and, one ran the deep corner and one ran a shallow uh, and they went with Amon Ra. So like they just think that's where it's going and JMO, you know, got open. So if they have to take away, if they have to go to JMO, we can go to St. Brown there. So yeah, I, I, I'm liking the offense for sure. It's the defense that is uh, a little, little worrying at this point. Yeah. Uh, Amon Ra is seventh in the league uh, in receptions at 73 receptions and yeah. uh, fifth in the league at yards at almost and, 900 and yards. He, and he missed a game. And he yeah. missed a game. His his yards per game is sixth in the league at uh, close to 199.8. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's had double digit fantasy points in every single game he's played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he it's like he either gets 100 yards or a touchdown or both. Like 
So if he doesn't get 100 yards, he's going to get like 50-something and a touchdown or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this game, he had 77 and a touchdown. Um, sort of as you said, as you alluded to, and I heard a lot of people saying on Sunday, that's the kind of game that good teams win. When you have just your like your worst mm-hmm. performance of the season, and like as long as you stay with it throughout the entire game, those chances are going to come to you and you take advantage of them and you squeeze it out in the end. Like I'm used to that over the years with the Chiefs. If they've won a lot of games, they probably should have lost. Um, in this sort of a similar situation here when it matters those guys showed up and that's what you that's all you can ask for and like you said that's something you haven't had really with this team for a long 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 time yeah for for years like and I've said this before it's like we had to play the perfect game to win and one Mm -hmm. little like because we had so many games in the history of of just Lions fandom where it's like oh this one call cost cost us the game and that's why we'd always blame the refs on things or this one play or whatever like you know like uh you know, it didn't go our way, this one bounce. Well, a lot of the times this year, those bounces and calls have not gone our way. There's been multiple in each game, and we just, it's like, just calmly overcome it and win the game. So mm-hmm. I'm not used to that at all. That's that's kind of where, like, we would always have the same old Lions bit. Is like, that's what everyone said. And now it's just like, that's not a thing. We're just, we can win any type of game. It just, you know, it's the NFL, anything can happen. But any type of game we get into, we have the ability to at least win it. Somewhat rooting for the Lions uh mild down downfall uh it was pretty frustrating to see that the uh bears slip that let that one slip away but <laughs> i think that the the bears aren't really a team you can rely on to win games especially um when the play calling towards the end is just i mean yeah all, all kinds of bad with those three play calls i think generally it's like you know it's bad with those three play calls and then you have a defense that what should have been a bit of a longer drive they couldn't stop them and uh, you know, if you give up long passes and, and give up those kind of plays, like that's what's going to happen. And the Bears are bad. And this is a this is something that we knew. So you got to beat the bad teams for sure. And that's a that's a hallmark of a, of a team that's playing well and also knows how to overcome adversity, which is kind of experience building for later in the season when you have to face adversity against much more tough and sound opponents. Yep, and the Lions are now eight and two, and that's the first time since 1962 that we have been that been we've had eight wins through ten games. Um, best record going into Thanksgiving, and yeah, so uh, excited for Thursday. It's a quick turnaround, so I'm. It's mm-hmm. like I'm excited because I I'm just pumped to see every Lions game, but especially coming off the end of that game and kind of the high of that, I just can't wait to see. Hopefully, less. Like, it's not the very end of the game that happens again. We just kind of carry that momentum into this next one on Thursday and and go in and beat the Packers, who we should beat, but we'll see. Yeah, as for the Bears, like Janet said, they're a bad team. Justin Fields is back, and he's one of the most fascinating quarterbacks in the league. He'll give you a good statistical performance, and DJ Moore will be good. Then the rest of that team is just literally nothing to write home about whatsoever. I think he's a, he's a franchise quarterback with the right coach. I, think I, I, I like what I've seen from him. Yeah, that's what I was Yeah, there's say definitely is. talent there that... That is more that can be said for some yeah. other quarterbacks. Who like if they, I think it's a mistake if they move on from him and draft. Like if they get the number one pick with Carolina's pick and they draft Caleb Williams or whoever. Like I think you're hitting the reset too soon on Fields. You when you should build around him. I think you just get rid of the coaches at this point. I agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Luke Getzey, who's the offensive coordinator, or Matt Eberflus had the answer. Um, and it's uh, and I and obviously Fields has been out for a little bit this season, so that that plays into it but overall the team roster construction and just like inability to leverage fields upside to uh, allow them to win games or the their inability to close games like has been quite brutal this season 
if you can change the coaching, if you can improve the talent, I think maybe Montez Sweat for a full season will help a little bit. But in general, like it's just about, you know, being better at execution and that comes down to coaching and play design and, and that mm-hmm. on, you know, having good plan to execute. So uh, the talent is definitely there. I think it's, there's some other teams that we see that there's just a sheer lack of talent. You're like, how are these guys going to win anything? But then this mm-hmm. team, it's more like, why aren't they winning rather than how are they going to win? All right, moving on from uh, from the Lions, we have the Raiders next up. This week, the Raiders played the Dolphins. Last week, the Raiders played the Jets. Arcadio, your thoughts on how the Raiders have been doing? Um, First off, overall, I can definitely say without a doubt that the strength of this Raiders team is their defense, which is something I haven't been able to say in at least like 15 years. They played one of the best offenses in the NFL, if not the best, in the Dolphins. And they held them to 20 points, which a huge plus. Obviously, um, Tyreek Hill still did Tyreek Hill things. But the fact that they were able to still hold them to 20 points was a big accomplishment for them. I have a hard time finding too much uh, too much positive in that because the defense or the, the offense for the Raiders was just so terrible this game. They scored 13 points. Six of it was off of turnovers. So... I feel like they could have scored way more. The Dolphins were giving them so many chances. They were turning the ball over so many times, giving them so many short fields. And the Raiders just couldn't move the ball like down the field when it mattered. Aiden O'Connell definitely looked like a rookie this game. It was by far his worst performance. Um, he was just chucking it down the field without even a care in the world, not even realizing that that's Jalen Ramsey on the other side, even coming off of a big injury. It's still Jalen Ramsey. He's still one of the best to do it. And uh, Ramsey picked him off twice. He's got that, that Brett Favre bozo gene, I think. (laughs) And he, he he doesn't yet realize that open in college is not open in the NFL. So he, he, he likes to sling the rock with reckless abandon. And we definitely saw that here. Um, I think they put the game in Aiden's hands far too early when it was still a one possession game for almost the entire time. Yeah, it was just very frustrating to watch the the Dolphins give the Raiders so many chances to tie the game up or take the lead and the Raiders just couldn't deliver. Um so something to build on with the defense for sure, but the offense definitely took a step backwards in this game. Yeah, Josh Jacobs 14 carries for 40 like 39 yards, almost 40 yards. It's a uh, not great. Not from last year's rushing rushing leader and i think a running back who still has a lot of juice and and definitely like there's a lot of production that can come from that and i think it's it's one of those things where it's like if you have a rookie quarterback um and and this was true last season with with purdy it's like if you have a rookie quarterback you use your elite running back to get the game going and then that opens up a passing game where you have very talented receivers i mean i would say like uh, adams myers uh renfro and and even the rookie Michael Mayer are, are all like talented enough that you can win those matchups if you set them up in positions to win. And like one of those being don't don't, you know, go at Jalen Ramsey like uh, and so it's it's uh, pretty, pretty frustrating that uh, the Dolphins who have uh, looked like a beatable team, I think, for the most part, I would say like that 70 point win that they had, like really, I think, is an outlier on on a season that has had a lot of beatable games and a lot of games where they've. They've kind of just won because the opponent is is 
just not able to capitalize on their mistakes and not able to like really punish them for for kind of some of their poor play they've had um and then when the opponents are you see things like the buffalo game where it's like 48 20 right so um but it was it was frustrating to see the, the raiders just not be able to move on offense when you have the talent around AOC, aoc to like put it together uh and at least do something better than having a 56 quarterback rating with three interceptions and two sacks uh, i was just thinking is this kind of like Miami being almost like the Lions uh, in this situation where they they kind of they won a game they probably shouldn't the way they played. I didn't get it get to see a ton of this game, but you said they were turning the ball over um, and they were giving the Raiders all the chances they they could they could get. You know, this is definitely a game that Miami probably shouldn't have won because mm-hmm. just the the Raiders were getting the ball like at the the forty seven of the Miami the forty seven of their own side of the field. Like every single drive, like such good field position, and they were coming away with no points on like all those drives. So yeah, my Miami definitely snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat here. Okay, yeah, that's what it seemed like. Like yeah, like I said, I didn't see it, but it kind of felt like that. With, with just just your comments, even just in the chat during the game of like we had so many opportunities, like that type of thing. And and every time I looked, you said there was another turnover basically from Miami. Yeah. Three turnovers from each side of the three from Miami, the Raiders were able to capitalize on with two field goals and uh, a three and out. So, yeah, I mean, you need to get more, especially if you get those chances against a team like that. Miami is probably going to do just enough most, most weeks to be able to beat most teams. So when they make those mistakes like that, you have to take advantage, and they just didn't really take advantage of that. That's a rookie quarterback for you, and that's, like you said, that their inability to get the, the run game going uh, is going to be a hindrance for them as well. They are a demonstrably different team when Josh Jacobs is cooking, and when he's not, the rest of the team, especially with AOC in there, just kind of crumbles a little bit. Yeah, the, also the outlook for the Raiders is a is a little rough. They play the Chiefs twice, and also the Chargers and Vikings, who um, not haven't been like stellar, but also are I would say like equally as competitive, if not a little bit more talented and competitive than the than the Raiders are. So. We'll see how their season shakes out from here. I, I, it's also one of those things where they've won enough games at this point where they're picking in the middle of the draft. So it's not like you can, even if you lose out from here, I don't think you really get gain that much draft position. So we'll see how they decide to play out the rest of their season. And if Antonio Pierce is really coaching for his job, which I don't, I don't really buy it, but if, if he is really coaching for his job, then maybe they, there's some more inspired, uh, like some more inspired charge to try to win some of the rest of the season. Yeah, hashtag collapse for Caleb might be dead, folks. Oh, it's it it died. Three <laughs> it weeks died. Ago. Oh yeah. yeah, you would you need to make some massive trade. Like if the Bears, yeah, basically any team at this point hoping to get Caleb is hoping the Bears get that pick and decide they want to keep Fields, and then you make mm-hmm. a trade like the Panthers did last year to go up to one. Do you yeah. have you give DJ up Moore? everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got you got Jacoby I mean, you Myers and Devontae Adams there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Hunter Renfro. Yeah, let's get the rookie quarterback and trade away Devontae Adams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, so that will do it for the Raiders. Moving on to the Niners. Niners played the Bucks this past week and the Jaguars the week before. Janev, take it away. Yeah. So, a uh, quick quick touch on the Jags 49ers game. Won pretty handedly. Uh, it was it was pretty sweet. Um, coming off the bye week, coming off three straight losses. If like quintessential get right game and the Jags are, are no like a uh, joke of an opponent. Like they're a serious opponent. Um, but the 49ers defense went out there. They crushed. Uh, I mean, when you don't give up a touchdown at all and you only give up three points, like it's a pretty solid game. And then Purdy went out there and made some just epic, epic throws. Um, 
last week there was a like the key highlight was a, a throw to George Kittle, which I would say like um, as far as like crazy touchdowns go, um, especially like uh, deeper touchdowns that are not just like scrambling in the red zone and, and making something happen, but rather like stepped up in a messy pocket, uh, pump faked, then was getting collapsed on, then chucked it down, perfect ball to to George Kittle and, and sent it to the end zone. So that was really nice. Uh, that that definitely like um, cleared some of the the woes and like kind of felt like we got back on track. And then this week they played at home, uh, and I was actually at the game, so uh, I got to see it uh, up close and personal. As far as up close and personal being in the stadium is, um, and it was good. I mean, I think that the 49ers, uh they got uh, like in terms of some of the bad stuff, cause I want to save some of the good stuff for the end, but some of the bad stuff was just like, they, they were defensively, they were getting pretty beat on uh, a lot of these like screen plays and quick passes. And I think that's kind of been the MO for a lot of the opponents so far this season is just like screen plays, quick passes, those, those kind of plays where our pass rush doesn't have enough time. And it's really dependent on our secondary to make open field plays and make good plays is, is kind of leans into some of the weaker side of the team. Uh, and then also on defense, uh, I think in either the late third quarter or early fourth quarter, we lost Talano Hufanga. Um, he got injured on uh, trying to defend a, a running back, uh, Rashad White, trying to defend uh, him in, in the open field. And it was an on-contact injury. And then um, news broke yesterday that he tore his ACL. So uh, he's going to be out for the season, which was really rough. And then immediately after that, they put in Jair Brown, who's a, a rookie we drafted. Um, and he got burned for a 41 yard pass play. Uh, and that, um, was the Jags or was the Bucks scoring 14 points. Uh, but at that point, uh, the 49ers had kind of put their stamp on the game and this is sort of the upside of the game and, and kind of the part of the game that, that I feel really good about is that, uh, Brock Purdy went out there and made some incredible throws. Uh, you know, uh, there was, uh, some of the key throws, uh, he, had a throw that one that was like kind of over over the middle uh and there was two linebackers there and he threw it over the linebackers and perfectly placed to Ayuk and and so that was a, a sweet throw and then uh you know he had some other uh sweet throws this game and it, it was just being there in the stands and watching him work and watching sort of the offense execute was really uh uh really inspiring because I think this is the first time where we've had a player who like we can actually call it go ball and and it'll it'll go and we'll actually kind of get, get that to work. Um, and this week there was a sweet throw to Ayuk. I mean, it was, it was a beauty to Ayuk. And oh yeah. He caught it and uh, no defender in front of him and just ran it down, uh, you know, uh, ran it down to the, to the goal line, stood on front of the goal line until the last second and then stepped in for a touchdown. And uh, yeah, it Purdy is starting to, I think cement himself as a, as a genuinely good quarterback. I think, in the sense that not only like obviously the scheme works in his favor and he it opens it up for him and all that, but when there's time to execute the middle and deep throws, he's able to execute those throws. And that's something the 49ers offense has never been able to do um, since I've been watching. And, you know, uh, and even and like even historically, um, this is the first game where Purdy had a perfect passer rating with 20 passes uh, it was the first quarter 49ers quarterback with a perfect passer rating throwing 20 or more passes uh in a team that includes of course uh, montana and young and other star quarterbacks throughout their time um so yeah it was seeing the offense cook 
was really satisfying. And then at the end, the defense came through big time. I think that the addition of Chase Young, um, which uh, I think we talked about, uh, yeah, at the trade deadline, the addition of Chase Young uh, has really cemented like a, a really powerful D line uh, with Chase Young on one side. Nick Bosa on the other side, they've been able to get to the quarterback and be able to pester Baker. And Baker also had some really good throws and, you know, made a game of it. Um, no doubt about that. But when it came down to it, like the 49ers made plays and uh, the defense stepped up, uh, had some interceptions uh, and uh, including one in the end zone. And so overall, I would say like a complete win. Uh, and one of those kind of wins where, yeah, it was a 13 points game by the end of it. And you wish they would put up a little bit more or, or kind of been a little bit more efficient towards the end. But when both sides of the ball had to step up, they did. And and just seeing Purdy throw in person, seeing that confidence, that's what uh, I think really inspires uh, like some pride in the fandom and some some faith in, in how we'll do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, my main thought was uh, kind of like you said, shouting out Purdy. I think he's mm-hmm. looking better and better, not mm-hmm. just within the system. Um, like he's, you know he's not just throwing to guys that are schemed open and doing that. He's making some legitimate NFL throws that are impressive. So like, I think he's improved steadily. He's a smart player um, and can work the system well and is now able to make some throws. I think he probably couldn't last year. So it, yeah, I think that's, that's a good sign uh, going forward for you guys. Yeah. It helps having your number one wide receiver and your number one offensive tackle. <laughs> yeah. Having helps them having them back. Yeah. It sure does. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, it does. Yeah, I mean, like what group saying with Purdy, that was the best game of his career, I think, pretty easily, just all in all. A perfect game as far as the passer rating goes. And yeah, like when the Niners are working like well-oiled machine like they were in this game, they're incredibly fun to watch and they're incredibly hard to stop. So yeah, last two games uh, uh, show that they're pretty much back on track, I, I would say. The, the three-game losing streak, not fun when it was happening, but it seems like they've come out the other side of it okay. And they're still trying to make a pretty good uh, push here as we get toward the end of the season, so... Shout the Niners for a good couple weeks. I will toss in uh, going to the game. Uh, yeah. I know that I think in the past uh, we talked about, I've been to a, two games at SoFi and then we, Nick and I went to that game in Kansas city. Mm-hmm. Um, Levi stadium, uh, as I've known for a while, does not have the same energy as either of those places. I think SoFi in general is a nicer stadium and, uh, as an away fan there when the Niners were playing, like uh, it's definitely, there's a bit more pride in, in being an away fan. I think that that kind of gets it hyped up a little bit more, but uh, Levi stadium itself was fine. Uh, of the, of the three stadiums I've been to definitely the least uh, like least explosive, least energetic, um, which is something that's been true since they've been there for, I don't know, the last 10 years uh, or almost 10 years. Uh, and so, uh, but it's still cool to see your team. And so that was always fun. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. I wish I weren't totally priced out of seeing my team literally ever. That's, that's totally fun. I love that. Oh yeah. Oh. Tickets were not cheap to this game either. Yeah. Maybe next year, maybe next year I'll be able to actually go see my team in person again. I would love to, but do we have to move on? Do we have to, Wait, do we have to talk uh, about this? Uh, unfortunately mean, for yeah. you. Yes. It is my job as a, as a journalist. Yeah. As, as a, as a broadcast journalist to talk about, Monday Night Football, folks, the Chiefs and Eagles both came off their bye weeks in Week 10. Chiefs hosted the Eagles at Arrowhead, obviously a rematch of Super Bowl 57, which we just had earlier this year. 
So this was a tale of two halves, I would say. First half, the Chiefs looked like the best team in the league. When when both sides of the ball, I mean, this sounds obvious to say, when both sides of the ball are working really well for the Chiefs, they look like the most unstoppable team in the league. And they went into the half with a 10-point lead over the Eagles here. Had a great uh, two-minute drill to get a uh, get a field goal from Butker at the last minute or at, at the waning seconds of the half as we went into halftime. So first half, didn't really have any complaints. The pass rush was getting to Hurts. Eagles were getting pretty much nothing going on offense. Chiefs defense is out of this world. I still can't believe how good this defense is week in and week out, even against some of the best offenses in the league that they played this year, like Detroit, like Miami, like Philadelphia. Um, so that was all positive. I was feeling great after the first half. Then the second half comes, and it's a different game. Uh, the the stat circulating around Twitter, and ESPN got a hold of it really quick. Chiefs are averaging 5.9 points a game this season in the second half. And they hadn't scored in the second half at all since October 22nd, which is a full month ago now. And they kept that trend up here because they scored zero points here in the second half of this game. They're up 17 to 7, and they end up losing 21 to 17. There's a lot of a uh, lot of reasons why this is the way it is. I'm not going to put much blame on the defense here. Defense held one of the top offenses in the league in check about as well as you can, all things considered. And as it has been quite a bit throughout this year, which is uncharacteristic, obviously, of this team, it's the offense that. Uh, the offense that's really causing all the issues. Kelsey is not quite himself. I don't think it's just that he's been, you know, banged up this year. I don't think it's the off the field stuff that's an issue. I really think it's the fact that teams are blanketing him and they don't have a Tyreek Hill as a as a, a threat that teams respect outside of Kelsey to keep to get Kelsey open. That's pretty much what I was trying to say. Uh, they don't really have that threat. The Chiefs don't because the wide receiving core, as we talked about this entire season, is fucking terrible, folks. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt in the early games of the season, say that they'd work it out. Like, I was confident that they'd work it out at some point. It's not getting any better, pretty much with anybody. Rasheed Rice has kind of come along to a degree, but he wasn't really that involved in this game. It was a lot of Justin Watson, who has moments of brilliance, like he had on that great throw from Mahomes to get that big third down conversion in the second half. Uh, but he also has moments where he just drops a bunch of passes in critical moments, and that happened here on a couple occasions, including the big fourth down that ended the game, where he just let all things considered, a pretty crazy 4th and 25 pass by Mahomes that would have been a conversion, go right through his hands. And the play before that, or a couple plays before that, I believe, was the big deep ball, which Chiefs have struggled with deep balls all season. And then Mahomes dials up a perfect deep ball to Valdez-Scantling, which is going to be a touchdown inside of two minutes. It's going to be the go-ahead touchdown, and MVS drops it. And he's not had a good year pretty much at all. Nor have it. I mean, pretty much no one on the Chiefs team has had a good year, to be fair, as far as the wide receiving core goes. But he's been especially disappointing, I would say, considering there was a spot opened up by the absence of Juju, and no one has really stepped up to take it, let alone him. So yeah, Chiefs beat themselves in this game. They also had two red zone turnovers, a pretty bad pick by Mahomes, and a fumble by Kelsey in the second half. They gave the Eagles just enough life to stay in it, and the Eagles finally took advantage of it. It was a struggle. Like, most of this game, the Eagles did not look like the better team, but kind of like I said about the Lions earlier, the good teams find a way to win, and, you know, if you if you give them enough opportunities, they are going to take advantage of them, and that is ultimately what happened here. So yeah, Chiefs dropped to 7-3, and three, Eagles go up to 9-1. and one. This was a good game. Like, I think I said, it was just good to watch two good teams playing each other, especially in the first half, even as the Eagles were struggling. It still felt like two two really good teams against each other and a good team on the defensive side of the ball, especially like actual good defense by the Chiefs to watch. Didn't feel like the Eagles offense was just terrible. But yeah, the game as a whole, as a Chiefs fan, incredibly frustrating. I'm still not panicking about the future of the team or anything. I think I put in the dock here, they're probably still the favorite for the one seed in the AFC, but they have clear problems and they don't have a clear solution for the rest of this season. So it's going to be a constant issue that we're just going to keep bringing up pretty much every week here because I don't think it's getting fixed at this point. Not this year.
I love to say I, I was very impressed by the Chiefs um, in the trenches this game because mm-hmm. the Eagles kind of pride themselves on like, you know, both their offensive and defensive lines just kind of they dominate the other the opposing side on both sides of the ball pretty consistently. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the Chiefs actually did that. I mean, not completely dominated because, you know, it was a, it was a good, good game. But like the Chiefs were getting a lot, a lot more push, a lot more pressure, um, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. That was able to hold the the Eagles offense in in check for the most part. The only time that wasn't true was on the the tush push, um, which is just pretty much unstoppable at this point. I'm not going to get mad at any defense for not yeah, stopping the tush push. Yeah, exactly. Right. But like that's the only time that, you know, the Eagles were kind of able to impose their will on that on that front um mm-hmm. and the eagles offense just you know it came down to that one big pass to to um smith um that put him at the one like that that kind of that kind of sealed the game at that point if that play doesn't happen i think the chiefs win but that yeah. offense not scoring the second half is definitely troubling and you could definitely and you could see the the eagle strategy i mean we pointed it out on one play where they had two guys that were literally holding kelsey yeah <laughs> like just both standing there kelsey wasn't moving at that point so it really mm-hmm. wasn't they didn't like call anything but there were two yeah. guys with arms on him as Mahomes was <laughs> moving out of the pocket trying to look for someone to throw to. Like, yeah, well, clearly the, that's the, the strategy. The touchdown in the first half for the Chiefs was literally they double teamed Kelsey and they left Watson wide open in the back of the end zone. Like, mm-hmm. teams don't trust Watson to not drop the ball and he converted at that time. But you look at every other big opportunity he gets the rest of the game and they go the way that they do. And that's the same with the whole wide receiving core. They have, I believe, by far the most drops in the league of any like receiving group. I think it's 26 on the season. And they had five yeah. last night that would have been first down conversions. Like, yeah, you're it's, you're just killing your team, you're killing drives, and you're just halting all their momentum. And it's been a pretty nagging issue, obviously, this entire season. And yeah, like I said, Rasheed Rice is kind of the one bright spot, and he barely had any usage in this game. And no one else is really stepping up in the meantime either. Obviously, the receivers need to catch the balls when they get put in their hands, but also I still think it's a Matt Nagy issue to an extent. Uh, positive side of the of, of things as far as the Chiefs offense. They ran the ball well, and when they run the ball well, they are also a demonstrably better team. I feel like you can say that for most of the teams in the league if they have a good running game when they actually bother to establish the run and get it going. But yeah, I mean, I think the run game really needs to pick up some of the slack for <laughs> the receivers not being able to do their job for the Chiefs because they take control of games in the first half. They're one of the top first half teams in the league. I think they're second in first half scoring. They have to keep their foot on the gas to a degree. And that's not happening. And the players themselves are kind of the main reason for that right now. So it's incredibly frustrating. Like all the strides the defense have made, that's awesome. But it's not necessarily the most fun type of team to watch when you're just relying on your defense to keep yourself in the game. When you have probably already one of the best quarterbacks of all time and the best tight end of all time on that side of the ball, and they're still struggling this much. So it's frustrating. Like I'm glad the record is what it is, and we have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the season, especially now that the Bengals are in the situation situation that they're in. But yeah, frustrating is the word here. I, I don't really think there's a better word than that. Speaking of frustrating, uh, did you see um, the clip of Andy Reid after the Kelsey fumble? Um, I did not. So you you just see him. He's he just he looks like a disappointed father, like that that like <laughs> you know. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. But he just, just goes, Travis, like, just, <laughs> he just, well, he just, he, like I said, he just looks like a dad that's just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, to be fair, like we mentioned earlier, uh, I don't remember who we were talking about who got mad at the fumble. Travis was like punching the ground 10 times after he got that fumble. He knew he fucked up. Yeah. He knew that was like the momentum swing in the game. And I don't think the Eagles capitalized on that particular drive, but that was our best they chance to score in the second half and they wasted it. So the Chiefs offense is still broken. And the Chiefs defense looks really good. And the Eagles offense did just enough to win. And I don't think 
the Eagles offense looks like a particularly inspiring unit. I think the Eagles defensive line looks really good, but I think also like part of that is the you're playing an offense that, that is like pretty fundamentally broken. So back to the stats, uh, in terms of yards per completion this season, uh, Mahomes is 23rd in yards per completion. That is one behind Aiden O'Connell at 10.4. <laughs> Aiden O'Connell's at 10.5. He's 20th in yards per attempt at 6.9, um, you know, tied with the likes of Jordan Love and Sam Howell. So, you know, the, it's, it's not great when those are the passing numbers. Um, and also, I think no... Uh, pass was completed yesterday over 20 yards uh, and they took many attempts um, and you know when your average completion is only 4.1 yards like it's it's a pretty rough Mahomes works well out of structure and works well when you can you know make razzle dazzle play, plays happen but even if you do those kind of razzle dazzle plays it still requires the receivers to catch the ball yeah um, and so <laughs> Mahomes is like I think there's like going to build a lack of confidence in the ability for his receivers to catch the ball. And, you know, credit to Mahomes. He said, like, for the deep ball, he should have thrown it better and he should have, you know, made better throws and, and so on. But I think it, I mean, there's a point where your receivers have to come to play and mm -hmm. they have to be more competitive than they were. And when you have only one real receiving option, it's it's much easier to shut down. Uh, yep. And when you don't, and when your run game kind of fades away in the second half, I think, you kind of know what's going to happen. And it is wild to see that the thing that is defeating the Chiefs right now are themselves and their inability to move the ball on offense, which oh, has yeah. been the hallmark of that team for the last six years. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the next few games play out. I mean, I think their schedule gets a little bit easier, but also it does not matter how easy your schedule is if you're only putting up 17 or less points. Like, it's not going to go well for you. Arcadia, you didn't gloat. You got anything over there? Um, I'm not going to gloat, but I will mention, uh, I don't think we mentioned the weather. Um, the weather played a huge part in this. It game. was a cold, <laughs> rainy night. Uh, yeah. Cold, rainy night, raining the whole time, wet ball, you know, that probably played a part in some of the drops, played a part in a lot of the fumbles. Yeah. I, I would have liked to see these two teams in much clearer conditions, but it was still, it would have been better. I live here. It wasn't that rainy. It was fairly light, all things considered, but yeah, it, it would have been probably a better game if, you know, if they had perfect ideal conditions, but yeah, I mean, this is a game I was super hyped for, even expecting an Eagles victory like I was. Like, I still thought, oh, we haven't had that many good primetime games this year, and I still think this was ended up being a really good primetime game. But next couple weeks are a little bit easier uh, than the Eagles and Dolphins stretch was. So hopefully it's, uh, as I keep saying, hopefully it's a chance for the offense hmm, to get we'll right. See. Yeah, I know. We'll see. Hopefully it's a chance for the offense to get right, but I'm less confident in that as we uh, get to the home stretch of the season here. But there's no time like the present to turn things around, so we'll see. Yeah, to to touch on the Monday Night Football aspect of it, uh, most watched Monday Night Football game since 1996 at 29 million viewers, which I think the Super Bowl nets what like it's over like a hundred more usually. Oh, okay, but but still, that's uh for a regular season game to reach almost 30 million viewers, it, that is a pretty pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it helps when ESPN biggest... broadcasts it on like six different channels. Yeah, they uh, also put it on ABC and everything. But, but uh, yeah, a lot of eyeballs saw this game, and I think a lot of eyeballs are now questioning questioning Mahomes for sure, but I think also questioning a little bit of Jalen Hurts' and the Eagles' offense. That did not look super super baller out there. I mean, they, obviously, we've seen them put up some monster numbers, but this game was, was quieted down, and I think a lot of that is the Chiefs' defense coming out and putting a really good game mm -hmm. together. But, uh, yeah. 
we'll see how we'll see how both these teams go in the sort of back half of the season. Uh, the Chiefs fall to the two seed behind the Ravens currently, mm-hmm. um, but also every every single one of the division leaders is seven and three. And, and Cleveland's also hold. seven and three. That is likely not to hold through the end of the season. Yeah, I Baltimore's know, got that eight eight and three because of the they haven't had their bye. But yeah, but I will yeah. say the thing that's going to help the Chiefs down the stretch: two of their losses are NFC teams, and the third loss mm-hmm. is an AFC team that's going to be a wild card team. If if they make the playoffs, they're a wild card team. Baltimore's losses, I think, have all been AFC, so that helps us as we get to the home stretch here. But yeah, I mean, we need some help. Like we do need some help, obviously, even if we win out. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's a lot of season left to play. I think things will work out fine record-wise in terms of the playoffs for the Chiefs. But when we get there, it will be a little bit dicier than it has been in past years. That's what I'm thinking. But like I said, no t- no time to turn it around like the present. Right. And speaking of seeding, like one of the reasons I was a big Chiefs fan in this game is because the Lions, um, if if uh, the Chiefs had won this game, then they would have tied Philly mm-hmm. uh, record-wise. Uh, I think Philly would still have had the tiebreaker as far as the number one seed goes because of um, the Lions' loss. Yeah, because they would have been an AFC loss and the Lions have the NFC losses. So, or one, one NFC loss. So, yeah, uh, because both their losses. They lost to the Jets AFC. and it would have yeah. been to. Yeah. So, I, I can't be super like disappointed or anything like that. I mean, the Lions just have to take care of business and the seating is going to take care of itself and it's going to yeah. be what it is. Uh, first thing is like take care of the division first, do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, different for me to look at other teams and like be rooting for something because of playoff seeding. Be caring about playoff done that in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the the Eagles road is much is much tougher the rest of the way, I think, relative yeah. to the other teams who are in Yeah, they still gotta play the Niners, they gotta play the Cowboys so. again. Those are just the teams off the top of my head. Yeah. They play Buffalo this week. And the Seahawks too. So And the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah lots, there you lots go. of tough games left. Okay, I think we can finally go around the league in terms of what else has been happening. First game we have here Steelers ten, Browns thirteen. God, the AFC North is just never going to stop being the AFC North. I know this was Blame a backup Canada. quarterback. Blame, <laughs> Blame Canada. Canada. He's gone. That guy's gone. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's got some eyeballs on him now, I think, if they don't turn this offense around a little bit. Um, yeah, only putting up 10 points here. The Browns defense is fearsome. They're one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Miles Garrett is a monster. Um, the Browns did just enough with the DTR as quarterback now, as they'll be having for the rest of the season, it seems. 13 to 10, that's an AFC North score, as we keep alluding to anytime these teams match up throughout the season. But yeah, uh, last second field goal, I think, by Dustin Hopkins sealed the game for the Browns here. I didn't see a ton of this game because there wasn't much happening to cut to on red zone. So I don't know uh, what more there is to say. I've seen the most I've seen of this game is on Twitter, and it's just clips of Kenny Pickett throwing to no one um, <laughs> or just plays that are designed terribly mm-hmm. to just have no chance against whatever defense they're going up against. So yeah. Um, or yeah, Jalen Warren's big run was the exactly. point. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. gonna say one one takeaway that I think we're having throughout the season is Jalen Warren just winning that job from Najee Harris, who continues to be mm-hmm. ineffective and continues to get a ton of carries. Yeah, uh, still Harris carried had him. Twelve carries and thirty five yards, and somehow, somehow Jalen Warren isn't getting the touches that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, also, DTR winning a game is pretty funny. Dorian Thompson Robinson to the playoffs. I don't know. We'll, we'll, see. we'll see maybe 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 yeah Steelers still have a winning record I imagine Tomlin's gonna sneak his way to nine wins still because that's just how things go but there's a lot of season left to go yeah the the two, the way I see them missing the playoffs playoffs would be if um Houston continues their hot streak and Buffalo turns it around mm-hmm. those are kind of the two teams that I think could knock them out of it if Cleveland steps back with DCR there but 
if their defense keeps winning them games, they'll hang in there and get somewhere mm-hmm. in that five to yeah, seven they can seed. Sne- they can sneak yeah. in like they did in 2021. They just mm-hmm. snuck in the last couple of weeks and then got destroyed by the Chiefs who retired Big Ben. Not that I'm looking too fondly back on that game, of course. Qu- one quick quick ad for the Browns right at the end here. Uh, they play a lot of bad teams. Like the genuinely the most, like the, the two best teams they play are the Jags and the Texans. And I'm not counting the Bengals as one of the better teams because Joe Burrow's out for the season. Another matchup, we had the Texans hosting the Cardinals. Cardinals in their second game back with Kyler Murray. Texans who are on a hot streak, uh, CJ Stroud. You know, the conversation is shifting with not a clear MVP for honor. Stroud's going to get some whispers in that conversation uh, now. Mm-hmm. And he did, throw, he did throw three picks in this game, which is going to hurt his ratio, which is the big selling point for his MVP campaign right now. Um, but still pull, pulled out this win. He got hurt, I think, around halftime, came back in pretty quickly, but it was a bit of a concern there. Davis Mills was one for one for two yards. You can't ignore that. You can't ignore his production in this game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. the Texans are looking mm-hmm. genuinely good. Like, they're, I don't think they're a Super Bowl threat or anything, but they're a fun team, especially considering how young they are pretty much across the board with a rookie head coach. Um, but they have a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they don't have big name receivers, but they have a lot of guys who are putting up a lot of good production. Tank Dell in particular, monster game, eight eight for, for 149 and a touchdown. Nico Collins has been good this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dalton Schultz also yeah. a solid tight end, a solid tight end, if you will. So they've got mm-hmm. weapons. Their, their run game, I mean, Devin Singletary went over 100 in this game. Uh, same deal with their, with their running backs. They don't really have a big name running back, but well, yeah, I mean, they're... Uh... They have, I mean, Pierce was. Pierce is hurt. Until yeah, yeah but he hasn't been good this year anyway. No, but he was there. Supposedly, he was going to be their, their big name guy. I know. But yeah, like Tank Dell, you know, that, that's a third round, I think, rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's some, he's He's been really impressive. And Nico Collins, I'm not surprised he's having a good year. I thought he was really good uh, at Michigan. Um, and he's just kind of been on a bad team and now finally has a quarterback there. So like... I, I just because I, I watched him here, someone was like, "Oh, I think he'll be good." It's kind of cool seeing him turn mm-hmm. turn it around. I I didn't take it seriously that a rookie that they'd even really consider him for MVP. And it's like, oh, he'll just get off, you know, offensive rookie of the year, uh, and that's it. But um, if they make the playoffs or like you know get that division or whatever, and uh, and he keeps playing like he is, he he could. And would that be the first rookie to win it? To win to win the MVP? Yeah, I believe so i'll do it I'll yeah check. i i did a i just like i didn't even look it up but i was like i don't think i've ever heard of that happening um i mean they but, were already talking about him having the best rookie season ever like at week yeah. six or whatever was his trajectory mm-hmm. already so we, i mean we haven't had a ton of like outstanding rookie seasons like from quarterbacks like guys who showed a lot of potential and everything but for one reason or another weren't out of this world good year one I think he's probably on pace to still have the best rookie season of all time. Yeah, I mean, nothing else I mean, from a he's on pace for like almost 5,000 yards and, yeah. you know, he's throwing touchdowns and this was his worst mm-hmm. game pick wise, but you know that he still doesn't have many. Um, there was a rookie that won MVP. It was Jim Brown in his rookie uh, year in 1957. Yeah, who's he? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he ends up winning it. He might sneak into like top five. He might get a vote mm-hmm. from uh, at the end of the season, but yeah, it is cool that we're, we're even having this discussion, and it seems plausible. It also helps when there is not a runaway MVP candidate this year, especially this year, as we've been talking about pretty much all day now that Hertz is the favorite. But yeah, uh, Houston won another game. They're up to six and four on the year. Cardinals, they're better and more fun with Kyler Murray, but they're still a bad team at their core. Yeah. And I mean, it's a rebuilding mm-hmm. year for them anyway. But yeah. uh, on the Texans, they played the Jags this week. That'll be a huge game for them. And then they played mm-hmm. the Titans twice. 
uh, in December, and those two games will be big for them too. So hopefully they beat the other teams that they play and uh, are competitive for the division because I would really mm-hmm. like to see C.J. Stroud in the playoffs. That sounds fun, as long as I don't have to play him. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Packers 23, Chargers 20. Uh, the red like red zone wasn't particularly entertaining with this game. Uh, I assume Arcadia put this here just to, for a Chargers hate sesh. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, that's basically it. We don't. Have Hell yeah, let's go. Chargers are four and Do six it. right now, folks. They are last place in the AFC West. Oh, oh they chargered this game so hard. Oh yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> oh my and god. People overrate and overhate Justin Herbert at the same time. That Quentin Johnson drop, not Justin Herbert's fault. I will say that. But it's also the most quintessential Chargers moment that I've seen in a season that's been full of Chargers moments. Yeah, the the Quentin Johnson drop was the cherry on top of what was just the Chargers, the Chargers skill position players letting just Justin Herbert down. Um, yeah, I was about to say Justin Fields, uh, <laughs> but Justin <laughs> Herbert, uh, he Justin. played well. Uh, Austin Eckler tried to run for a touchdown and got caught, uh, and then He's not he the tried to throw. He he tried to throw a first down pass right in the bread basket of uh, one of his receivers, and he dropped it. And then mm-hmm. he tried to throw a bomb to tie the game late, and right in the bread basket of Quentin Johnston, Johnston, who uh, was I think Jordan drafted ahead of Jordan Addison. Uh, he was. And, he was a very uh, high draft pick. Yeah. And he has been uh, a bust relative to the other players drafted around him. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's a bust for his career, but relative to the other players drafted around him, definitely not as talented. And so, uh, yeah, uh, Justin Herbert has minimal help. Keenan Allen's just about the only guy. Austin Eckler's still productive, but he's slow. And uh, I, I, I don't know what to say other than Brandon Staley makes me uh, a pain, like just pain, just a pain. Yeah, that people were trying to compare... Uh, the MVS drop to the Quentin John- Johnson one. I'm like, Johnson was way easier. Like the, the MVS one actually was a relatively difficult, like catch a much longer. He still should have caught it. It he was should, like no, a he half yard ahead of he, where he was. He I, don't should know, have, I don't know. No, about I'm just revisionist saying, history of no, no, no. MVS's. It's not, it's a, it's an off there. It's an awful drop, but comparing it, I think this one was just a soft, like layup to him. And, it was not. Yeah. He just, that's what I mean. Like the pass itself to catch, like you're, you're a wide receiver in the NFL. MBS should have caught the other ball. It was, it was a deep ball that he should have gotten, but like this was floated to him essentially. And he just, mm-hmm. it just hit his hands like a rock, um, which is like, it's weird to see him struggle with this, like with drops because, and he has, because like that wasn't his problem in college. Like he was making some incredible catches, his problem a lot of this year uh, and like, it's like separation. He's not getting any separation. He's just like a big dude, um, that could kind of just catch the ball over anyone in college. And now he's dropping these passes too. Like, I, I don't know if it's mental or if he's just not adjusting well to the NFL, but it's, it's ugly. Yeah. Uh, as for the Packers, I don't say this lightly. Are they the worst four and six team in the league? <laughs> they're four and six. They're, they're, yeah. fu- they're somehow four and six. Um, I'd have to find the tweet. There's some stat that they keep track of like essentially luck, like percentage of things that oh, go yeah. their way. And the Packers are like number one in the league of getting things <laughs> to go their way. And they're only yeah. four and six. So and they're only four like, and six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they still, they're desperately looking for some sort of identity. Aaron Jones has been hurt a lot of this year and he got hurt again in this game. They have a ton of really, really young receivers and they're 
begging for someone to step up and break out in a big way. Christian Watson is also hurt and he's regressing this season. But yeah, I mean, that's a team that's just begging for something. And like they're they're still somehow winning some games against opponents that are imploding or against bad opponents. But yeah, I mean, they're going to be technically in the playoff conversation as we get in the home stretch of this season. But they're the least threatening playoff team I can remember ever seeing. Jordan Love looked better here. I will give him credit. That's the first. You've never given him credit. Yeah. I said better. <laughs> he still didn't look like he just he's making some more consistent throws. Like he was missing a lot of guys and now he's at least making the throws he f- should make for the most part. Yeah, I've got their schedule pulled up here like Janov. Next two games are rough, but their last four or last five are very winnable. Yeah. Last five games are Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Uh, and the next yeah. two are the Lions and the Chiefs. Yes, I mean, can they, they'd have can to win five win in a row games? to conceivably be nine and eight, but it could happen. I'm also looking ahead of things, assuming the Chiefs and Lions take care of business, which might be a little bit too too uh, much of an assumption for me. But I don't know. I, I just don't think they have the talent all around to, to make it yeah. work. Um, and uh, the Chargers charging. Uh, I don't know how many times the Chargers have to be in close games and lose or close games and win by sheer luck to for Brandon Staley to keep his job. But frankly, that entire coaching staff probably needs a clean house and they, they also need to get some serious talent around Herbert. And I don't think that'll be difficult to do. Um, but I've also heard questionable things about Dean Spanos's ability to like spend money uh, and, and really, uh, you know, get the right team on the field to support what is a team that has a lot of talent. Also, uh, Joey Bosa got injured in this game, which uh, doesn't bode well for them either. Uh, so we'll see how long he's out for. If, Khalil Mack is the only real like person on your D line that's gonna be a bit tough, mm-hmm. uh, a bit tough to get pass rush pressure. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how the rest of the season pans out for them. Maybe it'll finally be the uh, motivating factor to get to a point where things are bad enough that they actually start making some real changes. I hope not. I hope they stay like this forever. Yeah, moving on, uh, moving on from that, we have Seahawks 16, Rams 17. This game was in SoFi. Rams beat the Seahawks week one of this year, and people were really surprised about that one. And uh, this one, I think people were even more surprised about. Uh, it doesn't help that the Seahawks lost Kenneth Walker really early, and they also lost Geno Smith for a large portion of the game before the uh, before the final drive. But yeah, Rams have, have had the Seahawks number this year. They're 2-0 against them and 2-6 and against everyone else that they faced this year. That's, that's their story. Um, yeah, I wasn't catching a lot of this game. I know DK Metcalf had a good performance because he's had his first good fantasy performance for me since I acquired him however many weeks ago. But yeah, just a, a frustrating game for Seahawks fans as I understand it. Yeah, I didn't see a ton of it, um, but the Seahawks have been a very strange team this year the, and kind of the last half of last year too where they're pretty inconsistent mm-hmm. on, especially the offensive side of the ball, where like they have games where they look like they can't be stopped and Geno looks yep. incredible. And then there's games where they just have a really hard time consistently putting a drive together um, and then getting in the red zone and, and struggling, getting it to actually like convert there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know a ton of what was happening in this game other than like the injury to Gino and, and, and to K nine and all that. But um, it's just, it is bizarre that this team can look so good at times and then lose to the Rams twice. Yeah. I think I'm um, part of it. Drew Locke came in for a little bit through a pick uh, part of it. K nine uh, apparently also officiating was pretty rough in this game. Oh, Cooper Cup also got injured in this game, right? Uh, so somehow, uh, did, yeah. given given that set of adversity, the they found a way to win the game. Uh, 
And I mean, if you only put up 16 points, like the Rams have enough offensive firepower to, to get there. Um, but yeah, the Seahawks had chances. And I think that what it came down to is just a little bit getting unlucky and also a bit of uh, injury luck not falling your way and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then the Rams just kind of took care of business. Puka Nakua has five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. And, and uh, that's kind of the highlight. And I guess Royce Freeman was their lead back, although Kyron Williams is coming back. So we'll see how it all shakes out for them. Me personally, I'm quite satisfied. Uh, I know that some friends of the show will not be as happy about how that all shook out. We'll see how they do on Thursday. I mm-hmm. am terrified for my life, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, looking at the box score as I often do, I'm fascinated by this Daryl Henderson rushing stat line: six carries, one yard, and one touchdown. That's a stat line if I've ever seen one. That right is there. a stat line. <laughs> that's a that's a Legarrette Blunt like stat line from from the Patriots back in the day. Ah, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, this Rams team is so weird to me. Like, they're clearly not a good team, but they somehow can stay competitive in some games, and they can sneak out a win here and there. Pukunuku was good. They sort of figured him out for a little while, I think. Um, I, I just don't even know. Like, I have no faith in that Rams team, but I can also see them winning any given game. They're just that kind of team. The Seahawks committed 12 accepted penalties for 130 yards. Yeah, there's that. Uh, that's a recipe to lose football games. Uh, sure is. So that's another thing yeah. the Chiefs did that I forgot mm-hmm. to mention: committing a lot of penalties, especially offensive holding. Right, and you did men- you mentioned the refs. I did see at least the one uh, pass interference call in the end zone that a lot of Seahawks fans were complaining about, and that that was pretty bad. Like there was there was no interference yeah, there. That was I didn't weak, see a lot. That was a pretty weak yeah. call. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see a lot of the other ones to really have an opinion on it, but that one in particular was was a pretty bad one and pretty significant. All right, moving on from there, we have one more game from the week to recap. It was Sunday Night Football, a game that became much more interesting the last couple weeks. Uh, Broncos hosting the Vikings. Broncos 21, Vikings 20. And I think you guys have misconstrued me thinking this was a bad game. It's a bad game on paper, I think, even like even with the way the teams have been playing going into it. And I still think it wasn't a particularly uh, well-played game on either side of the ball uh, for either team. But yeah, this turned into a pretty exciting game with how back and forth it got toward the end. And uh, yeah, story here was that the Vikings kept turning it over. The Broncos kept doing just enough to take advantage of it. And they kept scoring field goals here and there. And they finally got a go-ahead touchdown late in the game and forced a turnover on downs at the end. But yeah, those those Vikings turnovers were the story here, especially first drive Kareem Jackson hits what you can clearly see on the replay is another helmet-to-helmet shot. He got suspended for it, but didn't get flagged for it. So pretty much yeah, instant somehow. turnover for the Vikings and set the Broncos up in immediate field goal range. And Broncos could only take advantage of it by kicking the field goal, but... That just started the game off on that kind on that kind of foot, and then the game from there was just kind of back and forth. Again, I don't think either team looked particularly good in this game, and I still think the Broncos, despite their record and despite the last few teams they've beaten, are I can't say fraudulent because I because like their record is not great or anything. It's not like the Vikings who pulled out thirteen wins last year, but I still think their wins are very very turnover reliant, and even the turnovers that they are able to capitalize on, they're not able to capitalize on them enough with touchdowns. It's a lot of field goals and the other team's just not keeping the ball enough to really run the scoreboard up on them. But they're winning games, and they're somehow second place in the West and uh, fighting for playoff contention at this point in the season. And their season looked done just a couple weeks ago. So I guess props to the Broncos. That might be the first time I've said that since we started this show two years ago. I think their their defense is legitimate, which is weird for a team that gave up 70 points earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they, their defense looks pretty good. It's been good the, for the past however many weeks now, just on this streak they're on. Um, 
their offense does just enough. Like you said, like they're kicking a lot of field goals. They're not having Russ, and I don't know if it's the play calls or he's just, you know, not doing it, but he doesn't really push the ball downfield. It's a lot of um, a lot of short passes, a lot of behind the line of scrimmage and, and him scrambling, which he's done more. Uh, yeah, he didn't do it a ton this, this past game, but he had been doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But like he's not turning the ball over and they're not getting like a ton of like last year was just a bunch of three and outs and just their offense couldn't move. He's at least the offense is at least moving with him, which is like, you know, an improvement from last year. Um, and his touchdown to, to interception ratio is actually really good. He's yep. just not throwing for a ton of yards. Like this at 259, this was probably one of his top games of the year. I'd have to look at it, but like um, he had a really impressive final drive to, to put him ahead. Um, kind of that, a little bit more of that classic Russ, but yeah, the turnovers were, were the big, like you said, the big story of the game uh, with, with Dobbs. He was fun to watch. Dobbs is still fun to watch, even when he is turning oh, yeah. the ball over. Like he had an, a great touchdown run. Um, he's, you know, dodging a lot of traffic back there and he's pretty, he's more mobile than I think a lot of people going into the year realized. Um, he's mm-hmm. shown it now with Arizona and Minnesota, but they're, you know, Minnesota is, is fun with Dobbs. I like watching them and I, I hope they don't, you know, I, I hope to beat them, but I will root for them to win some of their other, other games just for, to root for his success at this point. Yeah. And as for Russ, this is his third best game of the year. He had two 300-yard games at the start of the year, uh, one against Washington and then the Miami game just by sheer by sheer game flow. He had to throw constantly in that game, so mm. he got over 300 in that game. So, yeah, his third best yardage performance of the season, but he's barely over 2,000 yards, and we're over halfway through the year. Uh, Russ looking like vintage Russ is kind of scary. Um, if he actually can find some of that back, I think that the Broncos will be one of those like teams you don't want to play type of teams. Um, and I mean, I think they do they still play the the Chiefs one more time, or do they play them twice already? No, they play them twice, but they play Cleveland, Houston, Detroit, uh, Chargers twice, and then they close the season against the Raiders. And they have okay. a Patriots game in there. I th- I think there are some more games in there that will show if that team really has the juice or not. And I think that like some minor retooling could get them quite a bit of the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I, for as many games as there, like for as long as you can have vintage Russ moments. Like if you can just keep it close and then have Russell Wilson go back at the end. Um, yeah, it's going to be scary. Uh, yeah, I think not, they get to like not eight, a team nine. that I want to play. That's kind of how I see them. I don't think they make the playoffs with the AFC being the way it is, but I think eight and nine is probably about where they end up, which considering how the season started is a pretty good turnaround. Okay. Uh, moving on from there, uh, we will move on to the primetime pick and recap. Arcadia, we had a good week, buddy. We did it. Yeah. I mean, kind of, sort of. Well, well, we all missed we all missed Sunday night. We all took the Vikings, and the Vikings lost uh, on that last drive we mentioned by Russ. But uh, Arcadia and I got Thursday night correct. We both picked Baltimore, and then we got Monday night correct. I would have loved to get Monday night wrong and have the pick'em get screwed up. But yeah, if I was to get anything out of the Eagles winning that game, it was that I made some ground up in the picks. So now a three-way tie for second place. Bobby, Janet, and myself have all missed uh, twelve games this year. Arcadio has missed out on 10 games this year. So Arcadio is in clear first place. He has a two-game edge on us, but I made some ground up, and I'm still in the, in the running as we get later and later into the season. So pick-em-wise, I'm pretty happy with how this week turned out. Me too. Kansas City really need to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> they did. That was, I mean, that, was, that was the main one. I mean, like it looked like for a while like it was, you know, was going to go our way for that and Nick's team's way. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was the big one. Um, 
I, I still call a, a little bit of something or whatever. On, I, I'm going to blame this on Cincinnati and their, their coaching staff for not reporting Joe Burrow's injury uh, for whatever <laughs> brace he had going on into that game. So that, you know, I, I say that that one doesn't count. We just throw that one out the window that, you know, that game didn't happen. And then we no, move no. forward with her picks. No, 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 no. What? <laughs> we can't do that. Is that not how like gambling works? Hopefully we'll have a chance to come back in this uh, six-game pick'em we got going on later for this upcoming. I think we're going to be identical well, all six games. Let's see if we're. You mean, yeah, you mean when like five for... of us have the same picks on? Yeah, Friday? yep. <laughs> I was yep. say we got to we got to start picking some upsets. In we'll this get there. We'll to... get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it for the picks. Fantasy wise, man, next year is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to next year, folks. <laughs> I'm four and seven. Well, it's not impossible that I sneak into the playoffs, but. Janov and Arcadio are both six and five. Arcadio is actually out of the playoffs right now. Spoiler alert for when he gets to his matchup right now. But yeah, I have some serious ground to make up. I have to be perfect and I need a lot of help in the next couple weeks. And I don't think that's going to happen for me in this league. I am nine and two in the work league, though. So I'm pretty much guaranteed to get the one seed in that league. And I like my team's chances as we get into the playoffs there. So all my focus is going there. And uh, our friend league is not really looking like it's going to go my way this season, unfortunately. Um, as, as I try and scrape my way into the playoffs, just barely, I am playing JB this week, who currently does not have a quarterback because his quarterback was Joe Burrow. And before this week, I was like, I have three quarterbacks on my team. I'm probably going to w- want to cut one of these guys. I'm going to keep all these guys on my roster. I know that oh. guy needs a quarterback. Yeah, I've yeah, got Justin Fields. I've got Sam Howell. I've got Brock Purdy. They're all staying right here this week. <laughs> I'm still going to yeah. lose, of course, but it is what it is. You win some, you yeah. lose some. The season didn't go my mm-hmm. way. I got second last year. After 11 games, the fact that Arcadio and I have a tied record uh, is, I think, uh, one, a testament to fantasy football is wild and crazy shit happens. Uh, and two, uh, damn. Arcadio what, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, the ball just hasn't been bouncing my way, you know? Uh, two weeks ago, I lost by a point, less than a point. Right. Uh, last week, I lost by four points. And this week, I lost by 18 but two of my players got injured in the first quarter and never returned. So, True. you know, when that happens, what are you going to do? Then uh, the still score over 100 points every game. Like, I'm my team has a floor. Bad bad beats all the way around. Yeah. What are you yeah. going to do? Just keep, keep it, grinding. Don't it do be up. that way sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those things where it's like, just got to get in the playoffs, and then, then really is anything can happen. Janet, how about you? Well, Ooh, we had a pod matchup. We had a, yeah, this was a pod matchup. As I mentioned, six and five, uh, back-to-back hey. weeks, back-to-back pod matchups, uh, and I believe back-to-back Ws. So, uh, yeah, things are things are looking pretty good. I uh, Tank Dell, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast, uh, fantasy production for Tank Dell going off the charts, uh, and that's really been a highlight. I mean, you know, I the roster has CMC and Jalen Hurts, who are, who are both pretty good, but but Tank Dell's really been putting up numbers. And also, like sneaky, sneaky quiet. Uh, my like pick up every running back imaginable strategy has led me to pick <laughs> up some half decent running backs. Uh, it's worked, and yeah, it's it's worked surprisingly well. Um, so mm-hmm. I' uh, pretty satisfied with where I'm at right now. I think um, the bye week will kind of kill me a little bit, but as it's gonna kill everybody, as long as they keep kind of producing, it's it's been fun. I was going to say, I don't think it was mentioned. So it was a pod matchup. It was against me. Um, but su- surprisingly, so like I made the trade with Elena to get Goff. Um, and so that this is my <laughs> first week starting Goff. 
if I had stuck with Trevor Lawrence, I would have won by less than a point. <laughs> Oof. If I had stuck with Lawrence, because Lawrence decided to actually have a game, his the best fantasy game of of his uh, of his season so far, and put up thirty two point whatever. Um, and uh, Goff had his three interceptions. Um, and even though we're able to win that game, like that's negative six. That's 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 not great. I think Goff is going to be better going forward. I'm so I'm at, I'm at seven and four, which is a good spot to be. But because of my points scored, um, which is on the like the lower end of the league, if I lose a game here and people win, like I'll get passed up very quickly for these playoffs. So I'm kind of still fighting for that spot, at mm-hmm. even even at seven and four. So uh, I got a matchup against Carlos um, coming up. I think is my next matchup. So he's been he's been good. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I got to put something together here. Yeah, uh, we should mention that uh, yet again, uh, I don't know if you touched on it last <laughs> week, but last week there were some crazy uh, sub one-point oh, yeah, victories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this week, again, uh, the 10s household got wrecked by Ugh. two one-point uh, one games. This week. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it seeing wildly close fantasy matchups, whether you're involved or not, is always the craziest thing. Especially when it comes down to like a Monday night or a Sunday night where you're like, oh my God, is that one player going to make this one play and that is going to decide <laughs> this person's entire week? It's uh, it's definitely some of the most entertaining parts of fantasy football that is outside of your team winning or losing. Also, I didn't even notice Cody and Kyle was also decided by just over a point their game. If Mahomes had yeah, a slightly better was... game, Co- Cody would have gotten his <laughs> second win of the season. So pretty much all across the board, except my matchup where I lost by 20. Um I- I'll mention this because we did talk about it. AJ Brown, for for one, had a bust game. That was a luxurious need highlight reel last night. He held AJ Brown to one catch for eight yards. So that didn't help me. But I asked you guys uh, on Sunday morning, who should I start at this flex spot? I have Hollywood Brown here. <laughs> Could I start Jacoby Myers? Could I start hmm. Nico Collins? Could I start Calvin Ridley? Now, to be fair, Arcadio thought Nico Collins was Noah Brown, and he thought he was out. I still would have lost. I did. I legitimately did. <laughs> oh, no. But your words, I believe, uh, and I quote, were, you can't trust Ridley. So, And I was thinking the same thing, like, fine, I won't put Calvin what? Ridley in. You said something along those lines. I did, and, and I, I stand by it because I do you, too. you couldn't trust Ridley. You can't I trust do Ridley too. still. But I'm going to talk shit on you guys because if I played Calvin Ridley, I would have won easily because he scored 28 more points than Hollywood Brown did in this game. Had easily his best game of the season. His best game was a Jaguar. And he's just sitting on my bench and... All I'm all I'm left to do is sit here wondering if my season could have been saved if I had just made that one judgment call. That's fantasy for you, folks. Yeah, at the at the end of the day, you're the one that makes the decision, not us. I know. <laughs> I'm still gonna bitch about you guys. <laughs> okay. As Arcadio put here in the dock, I miss how things used to be. Me too, buddy. Me too. All right. Finally, moving on to second down, the news recap. We've touched on most of these already, but we'll mention them again here. Steelers fired Matt Canada as their offense coordinator. Probably long overdue if you ask pretty much anybody in Pittsburgh or anybody who enjoys watching good football. Uh, running back coach Eddie Faulkner <laughs> is going to be the interim OC, and QB coach Mike Sullivan is going to be actually calling the plays. So, yeah, a few cooks in the kitchen the rest of the season as the Steelers try and get into the playoff picture again. But, yeah, I mean, this was long overdue for the Steelers, and I'm curious what a midseason change is really going to do for them right now, but this seems like something that absolutely needed to happen. He bought himself some time after a couple decent-ish games uh, against Tennessee and the one before that, I believe. But, yeah, it was time. I, I think it's only going to stop the fire Canada 
the chance that that's yeah. about the the impact it's going to have on the season. Kenny Pickett is still going to be Kenny Pickett. And people are going to shift all their all their anger at Kenny Pickett now. So we'll see how that goes for for the young guy. All right, moving on from there, we have, uh, as we mentioned, Broncos safety Kareem Jackson suspended four games for repeated player safety violations. He had another suspension earlier in the season. This was the big helmet-to-helmet hit on Joshua Dobbs uh, yeah. that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Repeat offender here. He's barely played this season, um, or when he has played, he's been getting at least fines, if not suspensions. And yeah, just repeat offender. Like, I don't even know what else you can say about this. You just yeah, have to stop playing like this. And it, it was officially upheld today, so it's going to be four games. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, have it reduced, so... Yeah, his uh, last one he point, got reduced from four to two. Yeah, it's de- definitely deserved. Um, yeah. He's been fined or suspended from every single game he's been in this year, basically. Yeah. Just be considerate of your of the other players. I know it's a contact sport and it's difficult and you're not really thinking half the time. But like, seriously, at this point, you have no excuse, especially when you've been suspended for it multiple times. And he just keeps doing it. I mean, hopefully he learns his lesson, but I'm not holding my breath for this one at this point. Yeah, it's like the large majority of players in the league play within the rules and yeah. don't get fined and suspended every mm-hmm. single game. So mm-hmm. it's just like, what's your excuse, buddy? Yeah, what's yeah. your excuse? Like, there have been some ridiculous fines that I've seen because they post, like, uh, now publicly, like, here's a play that someone was fined for. None of his, his have been ridiculous. They're all very legitimate. Yes. Yeah. So we mentioned Joe Burrow is out for the season. Um, an issue with his wrist is what they're calling it. There was some eagle-eyed viewers would have caught some footage of him arriving on the team bus, I think the day before the Thursday night game, wearing something around his wrist. And first half looked a little off. Uh, He was able to throw a check down touchdown to Mixon near the goal line. Um, But then after that, he was trying to throw footballs on the sideline, and he just couldn't, like, just couldn't do the motion. And they called it a wrist injury. And now it seems like he's out for the season, so they have Jake Browning in. None of this was made uh, clear or official on the injury report, so the NFL is investigating the Bengals for their handling of that. I haven't heard of anything that's come from this yet. I know they pretty much said that yeah. like the day after that they were looking into it. Nothing yet. I don't know unless they can. I don't know what they're really going to be able to do about it, other than just like. I heard them. take a draft pick. Um, I don't know exactly how. If it's so, yeah. If they can work, if but... they can prove he was injured. And that that really was like a brace um, on his hand, like on his wrist coming off the plane. Like, but I just, I don't know how you really prove it enough to, to penalize him, but we'll see. It would be interesting if yeah. they did just as yeah. a story. Yeah. The, the big thing with that is like the NFL makes in the past couple of years have made like betting, like a really big thing, right? Like they mm-hmm. want, they want you to bet on NFL games. They want you to bet on player props and all that. If, if teams are not acting, properly reporting like injuries and like not handling injuries the correct way. Like in this situation, the NFL could be seen as like people could legitimately have gripes about like the NFL covering up injuries in order to, to influence a betting prop or outcome one way or the other, you know? So Mm -hmm. it, that's why I could definitely see like, like draft pick penalties coming out of this or situations like this in the future yeah if there's any fire to the smoke like you kind of have to make an example out of them in this case here i think and like if that's the case then the Bengals are going to be the big big victim of i mean i don't even want to call them a victim like it's their own fuck up that they did but you know what i'm saying and we heard the rumblings a little bit about something like this when the they didn't when the falcons didn't report Bijan being sick a few weeks back like heard little things about that especially as it pertained to betting and fantasy and things and this is a higher profile example of that especially because now that he's out for the season but yeah, we'll see if anything comes of that. I am curious to see if they 
they punish with taking a draft pick away. That is known to happen on occasion. Just happened, I think, with Miami this past season. They lost their first round draft pick. So it can happen in certain instances. So we will see there. Last story we'll mention. Imagine being so bad at your job that <laughs> your team replaces you with one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of college or professional sports. And they're like, Tim you're a better option. Boyle. Tim Boyle is going to be uh, starting this Jets game he, against the Dolphins on Black Friday who, that the that Amazon video paid $100 million for. Uh, yes, go ahead, Robert. He basically <laughs> had his job for years because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers yep. likes having him be the backup. <laughs> like, that's why he had a job there. He was he never saw the field. Like, he was just bad. Um, came to the Lions, and anytime I got to see him play preseason or when he came in for golf, one of the worst NFL quarterbacks I've seen in my life. He's he's brutal. Like he was bad in college. He had a he had a negative touchdown to um, interception ratio in college in his career. <laughs> like I don't really know why he is where he is, but it's hilarious mm-hmm. to see that he is the one replacing Zach Wilson because they had opportunities to to keep some some better backups. Um, mm-hmm. and like, uh, like white who signed with, with Miami, but like, yeah, he's, uh, did you, yeah. Thanks Arcadio. <laughs> who's just calling me out in the chat for saying college. Um, as I got <laughs> emphatic there, but yeah, I, I don't understand. Tim Boyle is, is terrible. It's, it's funny. I, it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch these games just to see how bad he looks compared to Zach Wilson, because that'll be a starting point of, okay, how bad is Zach Wilson? Does Tim Boyle look better? Because that would yeah. be impressive. <laughs> like, um, yeah. it would really tell you something about Zach. And not just did they have opportunities to keep better backups. They had opportunities in this season after Rodgers got hurt to acquire anybody, and they just didn't. They decided, no, we're going to stick with Zach Wilson, and uh, and we see where that's gotten them now at this point in the season. And we should mention, Zach Wilson is not even the backup quarterback now. He's the, he's the third-string the third emergency stringer. quarterback. The backup quarterback is Broncos, Vikings, Jets, Titans, Saints, Bears, Bengals, and Jets again legend Trevor Simeon. <laughs> Ahead of Zach Wilson. <laughs> that was impressive. That was impressive. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a bad couple days for Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, Look, yeah. On the uh, flip side, yeah, something, Jenna. I, I will say this about Zach Wilson: he has a first round contract, and that's millions of dollars that I'll never see. So yeah, uh, you I'm know, certainly yeah. never going to see that. Uh, Imagine being paid millions of dollars to be bad at your job. I to wish. Be, like, I fucking wish. So, so bad at your job that they find your replacement and then somehow because your replacement it gets like can't perform their job anymore you get to go back in to maybe have a chance to redeem yourself because all you have to do is make it to the end of the season you know make it just like a couple more days and and you can't even do that so they replace you with not only like a terrible player but they replace you twice not once but twice with two back to back mediocre at best players i sympathize with jets fans because the jets have been bad for a long time and it finally looks like they're turning things around even then they still can't get like the final piece of the puzzle correct uh, yeah and i i also feel bad for robert Sala because i think he left um san francisco as you know this really highly touted prospect and he's running a defense that has a ton of talent and has been phenomenal like one of the best defenses in the league this season and because they can't get a quarterback that is, well, frankly, that is as competitive as Dorian Thompson Robinson, because uh, the Browns are in a very similar situation. Uh, they can't win games, and uh, it's really sad. And I feel bad, but I don't feel that bad because one day maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to come back, and then I won't feel bad anymore. 
he outplayed Mahomes and beat the Eagles this year. And now he's below Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle a couple weeks later. This league is wild. It really is. Yeah. Okay, moving on to third down, injury roundup. Another another instance where we've mentioned a lot of these already. Joe Burrow's a big story out for the season with a wrist injury. Geno Smith, his status is up in the air for Thursday night. Uh, he had his elbow messed up. He did come back in briefly for the last drive in the game against the Rams, but still up in the air. Same with Kenneth Walker, who messed up his oblique early in the game. Uh, last I saw, Geno trending upwards, Kenneth Walker trending downwards in terms of playing this week is kind of what I saw. Yep. Um, yeah, a uh, big blow for the Ravens. Mark Andrews, I think on the first drive of the game, uh, messed up his ankle and he's going to be out for the season. So it's a big blow for them. I mean, they have more weapons than they've had in years past on that offense for Lamar to, to throw to and everything like that. But uh, arguably their their biggest weapon is now gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, so very... they got to figure things out and it just sucks for him. Yeah, and quickly, that's bringing up the conversation again about the hip drop tackle, um, which right. is the, the type of tackle that, that you know, guy brings his full body weight down and a lot of the times it, it lands on uh, the the ankle or leg of the player mm-hmm. as they're taking him down. So that's getting talked about. I don't know if they're going to, you know, outlaw that or whatever going into next season, but it's definitely a talking point. Yep. Yeah, and they did say that Mark Andrews could come back if the Ravens make like a deep playoff run. Like Playoffs, yeah, AFC like maybe Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe. it was better news than expected, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope it doesn't get to that for them for Chiefs-related reasons, but... It would be cool if he was able to come back. Uh, Cooper Cup is day-to-day with a low-grade ankle sprain. He's always got some nagging injury, and now it's going to be affecting him again. I think 2021 Cooper Cup is is long gone. Where this is kind of what we're going to be dealing with the rest of his career, unfortunately. On that same note, Michael Thomas is headed to the IR again. Uh, he hasn't had a fantastic year, but he's at least stayed on the field a decent amount this year, and he's headed back to the IR with a knee injury. It feels like a decade ago that he was Michael Thomas at his peak. It was like three or four years ago. It, it feels be, like a it really ago. does feel like a decade, a decade ago. Like it seems like he was just hurt just for probably five years. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like last time he was a viable like top receiver, I think Drew Brees was still their quarterback, which is over three mm. years ago now. So, yeah, that's just how things go. Unfortunate for him. Just another, you know, what if cut short by injuries. And it seems like it's going to be plaguing him the rest of his career as well. Uh, Devon Achan uh, for the Dolphins reaggravated his same knee injury pretty early on. I think Ar- Arcadia said first quarter of that game against the Raiders, so didn't really have a chance to show off how the Dolphins offense was looking back to full strength. Uh, he plays this Friday against the Jets, and his stats is up in the air for that right now. Dolphins offense is still good with Mostert there, but having Achan, uh, the fresh knees as we as we like to talk about with the, the rookie running backs, helped them early on in the season. He was going pretty crazy, but hopefully he's able to, to get back to full strength soon enough. Uh, Aaron Jones, who's been on and off this entire season with injuries, is week-to-week with an MCL sprain. Probably the Packers' best overall weapon, and he's barely been able to see the field this year, which is probably partially to uh, to blame for what their record's looking like right now. But yeah, sucks for him as well. We mentioned Talano Hufunga uh, out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, it was tough to watch that play. I think it was the play where he got juked up by Rashad White, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't want to see guys go, go out for the year uh, uh, at all. And Yeah, the only, the only upside to that, because uh, it's the Niners players that uh, Jair Brown, that his backup came in and made some pretty solid plays. So we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the toughest tests of the season is come going to come right quick at him on Thursday with yep. uh, the wide receiving room at uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last one we mentioned, Joey Bosa uh, likely head to the air with a with a foot sprain. Looked like it might have been worse at first. He got carted off the field, but uh, yeah, he's going to miss a significant chunk of the rest of the year. But there's a decent chance he's back before the end of the season. So. 
that's it with all the injuries. It was a pretty big injury week uh, around the league. And uh, yeah, I think we can move on to fourth down now, previewing week 12 in the NFL. It's Thanksgiving week, folks. Uh, if you haven't heard by my voice this entire show, the Thanksgiving week tradition. I have drinks on the podcast, and that's what happened here tonight. Um, hey. Hey, uh, as for the games this week, uh, the Lions play on Thanksgiving. The Niners also play on Thursday. Uh, our teams, uh, the Chiefs and Raiders, play each other on Sunday. So currently, the Raiders, or excuse me, the Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites uh, over under 43 and a half. This game's in Allegiant. Arcadio, how you feeling about this one, bud? I mean, given the way the Chiefs have been playing, I'm not going to count the Raiders completely out. Like, again, like I always say, it's a division game. Division games are weird. Um, the Raiders played them pretty close, I believe. It was at home last year, right? The Monday night game? Yeah, the Monday night game was at home. They should have. When they had them game. on the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, different teams. Yeah, and different but. teams. The Raiders' defense is a lot better than it was last year. Mm -hmm. um, Chiefs' offense is a lot worse than it was last year. Yeah. Uh, it, it it depends on whether the Raiders run game can get going, whether Aiden mm -hmm. O'Connell can limit those mistakes. I think the Raiders might cover in this game, honestly, but I, I think still so. have a very hard time seeing them pulling out a win. Eight and a half is a pretty big spread. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can see this being like a like a 20 to 16 type game or 23 to 17 or whatever that the mm -hmm. Chiefs pull out. Not counting the Raiders for a win or anything, but I think it'll be a better game than people think it will. Yeah, and just looking at the box scores of the recent um, Chiefs games, um, the last like four or five games, the running backs, I don't think they've allowed a 100-yard rusher, but a lot of those runners have gotten uh, pretty close to 100. Um, the Broncos did, the Dolphins did, the Eagles did last night with Swift, and um, Joshua Kelly did for the Chargers of all people. So I think you can exploit the Chiefs with your run game to an extent. They're secondary and their pass rusher out of this world, but they might be able to get something going with Jacobs, and that's kind of what they need to do if they have any chance of winning. So it could happen. Uh, other games happening around the league, we have, as we mentioned, the Jags uh, at the Texans. Jags are point and a half favorites over under 48 and a half on that one. This one sounds really fun. The Jags are, some weeks, they just kind of disappear on offense and they're abysmal to watch. Uh, CJ Stroud, obviously, is one of the highlights of the season in terms of being a really fun player to watch. This game could be really fun. I'm hoping it's really fun. And just to shake things up, I'm kind of hoping the Texans win this one, make things interesting down the stretch. Uh, I hope the Texans win because I'm definitely all in on D'Amico and CJ Stroud for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Saints at Falcons. Saints are one point favorites over under do 42. We, do we have technically, to talk about this division? <laughs> this is technically an important game. I don't give a shit about this game, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> this is a five and five and four and six team battling for first place in that division. Yeah. Why? Why must that division be what it is? Can that division there's like, there's at least one every year. I feel like there's one division mm -hmm. that is just like there's an eight or nine, eight and nine or nine and eight team that's going to make the playoffs and that's going to be this this division. So, yeah, but it's yeah. been this division for like a while, two years. Yeah, a couple years. I least. mean, 2020, we had the Bucks and the Saints both at like 12 and four. And it hasn't been that long that they've been like this. And the Bucks were great in 2021. But I get your point. The la like last year, that, that was this division and it's this division again. And I don't think there's, I mean, I guess they're technically worst record wise last year because the Panthers are so bad this year, but yeah, they're, it's not pretty. And um, I mean, hopefully that that's a fun game. Hopefully for Arcadio's sake, Bijan can get something going, but yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> it's the NFC South. I'm, I'm not holding my breath for anything fun to happen here. Speaking of not holding my breath for anything fun to happen, we have the Broncos hosting the Browns this week. Uh, Broncos are actually the oh. favorites in this one at home. Over under 35 is pretty dang low. Mm -hmm. It's ETR again. But it's the Browns defense again. I'm hoping the Browns, I mean, 
I could actually hope for a Broncos victory here, I guess, technically, just record-wise. But uh, it's an interesting game. It's an interesting. It's game. interesting, but it also might be twelve to nine. Yeah. Um, Again, but... it, as as with the last one, record-wise, it's an interesting game. I think it'll be brutal to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think the teams are also interesting. Very interesting teams, right? I mean, it's it's a powerhouse defense for and a and a rookie quarterback, and then the Broncos have are this like kind of up and coming team with a decent amount of veteran talent, but then also a bunch of young guys on defense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're the yeah. hottest team in I mean, the league, I think now. Yeah, Sertan and Josie Jewell are still like really good. Um, yeah, so we'll see how how it goes uh, for the Broncos yeah. and and uh, for the Browns and. I think it's one of those where I feel like games like one through eight are like, oh, okay, we the good teams, the the teams that you know are good, like probably show up and they're they're definitely good, and the teams that you think might be good but then turn out to flame out entirely before this team season even really gets going, and you're like, oh, those teams are bad, and then there's this middle ground of teams, and that's like week yeah. eleven through fifteen. You're like, so are you gonna show up for real or, or are you just messing around? Um, yep. And I think both of these teams are in that because of injury for the Browns. But like, generally speaking, both of these teams are in that cohort where it's like, are you going to do we need to be worried about you as a team? Is it going to be competitive? And of course, in the AFC, so I'm personally not as concerned, but still like competitively is like, is this is this legit or are we afraid what's going to happen? So, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out between the Browns and Broncos. Yeah, and uh, since the Lions do play the Broncos later this year, I'll be at least watching to see like, do they actually look good still? Like against you mm-hmm. know, can they continue the streak? Because um, that could be a tougher game than initially expected. Uh, next up, we have one of the big games of the week. We have the Eagles hosting the Bills. Eagles three and a half point favorites, over under forty eight and a half. Uh, we didn't really mention the Jets game that got Zach Wilson benched, like double benched. Was they got destroyed by the Bills, who had. A bit of a get-right game after their embarrassing loss to the Broncos on Monday Night Football. We'll see if they're really back on track against a really good opponent here in the Eagles. This should be a good one. I'm hoping it's a good one. I also would not be surprised if the Eagles actually blew them out here, to be honest with you. That's my yeah. maybe hot take. I, I if, if I'm being honest, I think the Bills might upset here. If it's a close game, I think the Bills might pull it off, but I think the Eagles might actually kind of be dominant here. Well, do we talk about the Ken Dorsey news that, that yeah, happened? Okay. I think we mentioned we it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's another big part of it, right? Like the Eagles, they're the Bills right. have they, new play calling and mm-hmm. they played inspired against the Jets and all that, you know? They did. Yeah. I'm going to be rooting against the Eagles just because at this point mm-hmm. I just want them to lose a couple games, but um, I don't have faith in the Bills fully. But I think like this, if the Bills play up to their potential, this could be a really good game. It could um, be. Like, but again, it, you said, I don't, I, I don't know if I see a blowout coming because I don't think the Eagles have put together a full offensive performance in a l- little bit. That's like impresses me enough that I think they'll just yeah. blow out the bills t- to separate enough to be a blowout. Cause I think the bills are going to score. Yeah. The, the bills defense is just so banged up at this point. I could see Swift running all over them. I could see AJ Brown, especially after the game he just had having an absolute monster game here. So that's kind of my thinking here. And that, that depends on if Josh is able to, you know, not, not turning the ball over too much. If he's able to have a clean game, like, feel like a lot more things need to go the Bills way for them to win this game than the other way around mm-hmm. is kind of how I'm seeing it here. But I'm not going to be surprised at any outcome. Like, that's what I always say when two good teams play each other, just because you, you never really know. But uh, moving on to primetime, it's a nice, meaty primetime pick this week. We have six games in total because three games on Thanksgiving, one game on Black Friday, and the Sunday and Monday Night Football, as usual. So first game on Thanksgiving Day, 
Lions, as always, hosting uh, hosting on that day. They're hosting the Packers. Lions are 7.5-point favorites, over under 47. They kind of dominated the Packers in Lambeau, and I don't think uh, either team is really different than they were at that point in the season in terms of how far apart they are overall. So I think the Lions win this one. Uh, I don't know if they cover, uh, but they're clearly the better team right now, and I don't see this week being any different as far as that goes. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be rooting for the Lions. I expect the Lions to win. Uh, again, division game, weird things happen. Um, yeah. And the Packers, like like I said, Jordan Love has looked better. Um, and I'm, I better. just want to, but I want to see this defense step it up compared to, like they played a little better last week, but play better coming out of the bye. Like, you know, two games out of the bye, they've looked bad and okay. So I hope that they, the defense looks good against, against Love like they did last time. Um, and that we put up an impressive uh, performance on Thanksgiving at home. And, you know, the crowd is going to be rocking and it's going to be a great environment. So um, I think we win. I don't know about covering. I never want to expect a double digit or close to it win, but um, mm-hmm. I at least will say say that we'll get the victory here. Yep. Rolling with the pride. Let's Lions go. get W. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're going to win fairly convincingly too. Uh, mm-hmm. No Aaron Jones. Still yeah, no reliable pass catcher yeah. in sight for I, for the Packers. Jordan Love looks a lot worse than he did at the beginning of the season. and Even at the beginning of the season, he didn't look all that great. So, yeah, I think it's pretty easy Lions win. Yeah, I did just see uh, Jaden Reed, um, receiver for Packers, was just was just added to the injury report, like, today. Mm. Um, he was not listed on Monday, and now he's listed um, with a chest injury. Um, and he's been kind of their best receiver lately, so that could be interesting to watch. Uh, I'll take the Lions as well. Uh, look, Lions look like one of the better teams in the league, and they definitely have to win the division games because... Uh, yeah. The division games are probably some of the easier games on their schedule. Uh, yeah, as the as the season goes on. Yep, gimmies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna forget you said it. Moving on to the middle of the day, uh, Cowboys as always hosting on Thanksgiving, hosting the Commanders this time. Cowboys 11 point favorites over under 49. Commanders just had a pretty embarrassing loss uh, to the Giants at home this past week. And Cowboys are on a hot streak, especially when they play opponents that are not as good as them, and especially when mm-hmm. they play them at home. So that's the kind of game we have here. With their offense, the Commanders have the potential to make things interesting here, but yeah, I mean, it's the Cowboys here. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout like we've seen the last couple of games that they've had, but yeah, I'm still taking the Cowboys on this one pretty easily. I think it very easily could be a blowout. Um, it could. With just turnovers and, you know, with with how many pick sixes the, the Cowboys tend to get against bad teams specifically, too. Deron um, Bland. Yeah. Like, can the commanders put up a fight on offense? Yeah, maybe, but I'm expecting a pretty big blowout and taking the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, I think the commanders are a very poorly coached team. And mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's as simple as that. Cowboys, Cowboys are minus 11. I think they cover. Yeah. I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. Uh, but hopefully their run of form continues, which means. They will win this week against a team that is below 500. And then their next five opponents are above 500. Or maybe I think the Bills are at 500. Or are they? Anyway, the Bills are close to 500. They're above 500. They're, They're uh, one game over right now. Six okay. Five. So currently, all their teams, all five of the teams they play are over 500. And they haven't won. They haven't beaten a team over 500 yet this season. And so it would be very satisfying uh, as a Cowboys hater to see them lose all those games. But for this game, they're going to win. Uh, so the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, 
Uh, this is a Niners game. The Niners are in Seattle at the Seahawks. Niners are still favored by a full touchdown, seven points, and over-under of this one's 43. Question marks about Geno, question marks about Kenneth Walker right now. Uh, it is still in Seattle, though, but I'm going to take the Niners here. I know the game has to go a very specific way, and the Niners have to be in command as we get into the fourth quarter for them to win these games historically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do think that happens here with the way the Seahawks offense has been and with the, the question marks that they have at their at two of their best players right now. So I'm going with Niners here. Any any chance I had of taking Seattle is gone with the injuries at this point. And yep. like, even if Geno plays, he's not. He's definitely not 100%. Um, that's that's not good going against one of the better defenses. So uh, no. taking the Niners, um, I think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be easy, but I, I think that they'll 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 handle them enough to to win. Uh, resident Niners fan, I'll take the Niners. But uh, look, I, I'm still traumatized by that game. That game nine years ago haunts me in my dreams. Uh, or maybe it was longer than that. Frankly, I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, that that game still haunts me. I I was visiting family in Florida at the time, and I remember watching that game, and I remember seeing uh, Sherman raise that turkey over his head on our fifty yard line, and it still haunts my nightmares. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna take the Niners here. I think mostly because I I think that this team has an offense that can actually kind of produce, um, and I think that the secondary of the of the Seahawks is pretty good. Uh I think we have enough offensive talent to kind of get in the gaps there and and hopefully be able to um put up points. And then on the defensive side, I think our defense heavily outweighs their offense. Uh a lot of that being Kenneth Walker being out, although Zach Charbonnet is pretty good and Geno Smith being injured and their O-line being kind of bad. I mean, they're starting 41-year-old Jason Peters, so uh yeah bang bang niner gang uh too many questions for the seahawks right now so yeah simple as that so friday black friday for the first time ever this is a prime video outing we have the jets hosting the dolphins dolphins are full 10 point favorites over under of 41 points here arcado your thoughts i need to say my piece here okay black friday you said the first black friday game ever mm-hmm. so the the detroit lions have played on Thanksgiving every year for I don't know how long, right? It's it's tradition. Mm-hmm. Despite them going through many, many, many years where they've just been bad, they still have the entire eyes of America on them every single year. Same with the Cowboys, although the Cowboys have been good for a lot more of those years. You have Black Friday. You have one of the most infamous teams in the league who have made... The color black, their whole identity. Why aren't you putting the Las Vegas Raiders on Black Friday every single year? At the very least, why don't you put them in the very first Black Friday game ever? This just seems like a slam dunk, and it seems wrong to not have to have any other team but the Raiders on Black Friday. And to pour salt in the wound, the Jets will be wearing their black alternates. And the only reason any team in the league has black alternates is because the Raiders popularized the color black in football. They famously invented the color black, folks. They did. Very famously, they invented the color black in the NFL. It's Black Friday. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) This, This is a slam dunk. It's hard to argue that. 
I don't know why the it's Black Friday after a 10 second pause was what killed me. That's what broke me. Uh, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. So you're picking the Raiders. And, I mean, uh... I picked the Raiders if they were playing. <laughs> I, I mean, they'd be playing the Chiefs. They would be playing the Chiefs in this game. He'd still so. pick them. I'd still pick them. It's Black Friday last year. <laughs> There's something in the air. Yeah, I'm not picking the Jets, by the way. I'm picking the Dolphins. Oh, hey, same. Oh, hey, same. Same. Go do we think go, do, do, who do we think wins the game? A, a high-powered offense or Tim Boyle? <laughs> Tim Boyle. Watch, okay. watch Tim Boyle this, go out there and put a uh, his Zach first. Wilson I mean, I hope he does for Chiefs-related reasons. It would also be hilarious. They'll they'll pick him off like five. I'm sure, times. they're thrilled. Jalen Ramsey the will first... get like four picks on his own. Yeah, I'm sure they're they're thrilled. The first Black Friday game the NFL has ever done, it's going to have Tim Boyle as the as one of the quarterbacks. It has been a little satisfying to see all their plans this year for Aaron Rodgers' attention go way out the wayside, and you have to watch fucking mm-hmm. Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle play in so many primetime games. Like ha- at least half the games this year have been primetime at this point. It's insane. Mark Davis. Mark Davis. I know you're a huge fan of this podcast. If you're listening mm-hmm. right now. Throw whatever money you have to throw at the league office to get the Raiders on Black Friday every year from here on out. Come on. All right. You feel better? Much better. Thank you. That felt okay, good. good. I'm glad we could do this for you. All right. Sunday night, we have the Chargers hosting the Ravens. Ravens three and a half point favorites over under 47. That's an interesting-ish matchup. Chargers are obviously struggling a little bit right now. They're on the outside looking in of the playoff picture. Ravens are the top seed in the AFC. It's weird to be rooting for the Los Angeles Chargers in any situation whatsoever, but I guess technically I'm doing that here right now. But I'm not going to pick them to win this game. Uh, yeah, this is going to be the Ravens, I think. The Chargers are going to be stupid in some form or fashion. Yeah, I can't pick the Chargers after after witnessing them and then also like them losing to the Packers. There, there's no way. The Ravens have lost a couple of weird games, but I just don't think this is going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ravens, good. Uh, Chargers, Charger. That's it. There you go. Look, uh, Brandon Staley is calling the plays on defense. He doesn't need to hear He's that question plays. again. <laughs> so stop asking that question. With that said, uh, Ravens by a million. By a million. Uh, Brand, Brand, sorry. Uh, a quick, a quick side note. That uh, press conference. Uh, I believe in that press conference, he tells the the, uh, the journalists what to write their story about. And if I know absolutely anything about how to hold the press conference, it's that you don't blatantly tell people uh, what to write about because they will mm-hmm. inevitably write about everything but what you told them to write about. Yeah, because yeah. now, now I'm going to write about you telling me what I need to write about. <laughs> Brilliant strategy. Masterful gambit, Mr. Staley. Uh, all right. Monday Night Football. Arcadio had quite the reaction to realizing that the Chicago Bears are playing in primetime again. The Bears are in <laughs> Minnesota, really Minnesota playing the Vikings. They, uh, Vikings, three and a half point favorites. Over under 43. This sounds like a fun game to me. If Justin yes, Fields is Justin yes. Fields in this game, and this I this guess. Vikings offense is kind of how they've been lately, Yo, jo- this could be a sneaky fun game. Josh Dobbs uh, bounce back game? Could be. I have Fields in my lineup now, so hopefully a, a Fields career game. What's the latest with Jefferson? Is he back? Because I know he sat out this I last think. game. It, I'm. It's looking more and more like he's going to be out until after their bye, which is a week from week now. That. Yeah. Mm, okay. Damn. Okay. I mean, it does make things uh, a little um, more interesting. 
got to make up some ground. Do I do it? Look. Do, it, uh, do I do it? I mean, it might be time. Vikings are at home, though. Someone else pick. <laughs> um, known known uh, Bears hater, please pick. I, I was tempted to take the Bears just with Justin Fields back, and they looked like he looked exciting. But uh, I just think there's the Bears are the Bears right now, and the Vikings have been playing pretty well, even with Dobbs. Um, so I'm going to stick with the Vikings. But this could be, like you said, a fun game. Um, mm-hmm. It could be two. Like Dobbs is uh, an exciting runner too, not quite to the level of Fields, but it could be two pretty exciting mobile quarterbacks. Um, so at least each team on offense could be a fun watch, even if they're not fully capitalizing yeah. on every drive. Yeah, I'm also going to take the astronaut bounce back game. Uh, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson for like 11 catches for 160 yards, two touchdowns. And two minor injuries during the game. Probably. <laughs> That's how uh, things go for him. Yeah, I think I'm also going to take the pass or not. Just cause I, just, uh, I, I want, I think it would be cool if the Bears could win because I think it would be a, a, a good, like, primetime bounce back story. But also, like, mm-hmm. Ryan Poles, the GM, has constructed a horrendous roster. Matt Eberflus is bad. Uh, Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, also bad. It, too too much of the not on the field stuff is bad for the on the field stuff to be competitive. And I think we've said it before in this podcast and we'll say it again many times, but uh, when it comes down to it, you pick the better coach uh, and Kevin O'Connell is far better than Matt Eberflus. I'm still taking the Vikings here. I flirted with the Bears for a while. I definitely think they could win this game. I'm hoping for a big fields performance, but yeah. And, and hoping for a fun game. But I think the Vikings are, like you said, a better coach team and a better team overall on both sides of the ball right now. But yeah, another one where neither, neither outcome would surprise me in this one. I'll say that. Damn. So six games to yeah. pick this week and we all went. Yeah, we're we all went chalk. The board. Yeah. That's, I really wanted to take the Bears just to do something different, but I can't. That's the only re- that's I, kind of the only reason I debated it, too. But I'm like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Go I, I think the Vikings yeah. are going to win this. Yeah, it's unfortunate that like I think six games this weekend and uh, I didn't look at all the spreads, but uh it feels like only one of them is like, yeah. So it's six six pick'em games, and there are two games that are close. Um, but one of those games features the Chargers, so really it's only one game that is close, and that's the last <laughs> game that we were debating. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a little that's a little unfortunate. I think that it'll be interesting moving forward, especially if the Lions stay competitive for the Lions Cowboys to like continue to be Thanksgiving uh, games. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. You know what else is happening this weekend? Yes. Um, San Jose State plays against UNLV for a chance to move into a three-way tie atop the Mountain West, and uh, therefore a chance to get into the Mountain West Championship game. How did he know that's what I was going to say? How did he know? And I, and I, and I thought you were going to talk about uh, you know Michigan-Ohio State, which actually yeah. is a big game. but Th- like That is a big game, yeah. Yeah. It's like the one college game I try and tune into every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is gonna. Uh, yeah, co- that game is gonna set the college football playoff uh, picture. Uh, I think. Yeah. In some mm-hmm. ways. As a as a quick, very brief college analysis, we'll see if the if Michigan can actually protect the quarterback um, because they've had to run the ball a ton with JJ being kind of banged up and uh, like they ran. They didn't throw a single pass against Penn State in the second half. 
uh, because they couldn't protect the, they just couldn't protect him. And then uh, they, they didn't look fantastic last week. So let's see. How they that just goes. need to, they just need to bang the trash can when the other team's. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where's the, uh, what's his name? Connor stallions or whatever. Stallions. Yeah. He's going to be wearing a, a false mustache um, on the sidelines and uh, maybe some sunglasses again. Maybe he'll just wear the central Michigan uniform, like outfit just to be different. Yeah, so aside from those, the biggest thing happening this weekend is, of course, three match of Super Bowl 42 and 46. The Patriots play the Giants this week, folks. Woo. Nice. <laughs> oh, we also had a guest picker. Oh, yeah. Totally forgot. We, we... <laughs> we are so bad at remembering this bit. We're very excited about it every week, and we just do not bring it up. <laughs> yeah, when we get to the show itself, we forget about it. Okay, Arcadia Regina, one of you got the picks now, correct? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, the picks. Ahead, I have the picks. All right. So, friend of the show, Steph, uh, is presented with what we hope are the uniforms. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes they're not announced. So sometimes it's a little off. But what we hope yep. are the uniforms uh, for the upcoming matchups. Um, and Steph uh, picks the games solely based on the uniform. Um, and uh, this week uh, in the games, to quote Steph, um <clears throat> anything is better than the awful yellow and green so she's going with the lions uh in you, the next game uh she is going with the commanders the whoever's the washington whoever's she took the seahawks in their green uniforms over the 49ers uh 94 throwbacks with the block let red letters on white uh, in the uh, blackout New York Jets versus the uh, Miami Dolphins in white, uh, she took the Dolphins. In the Ravens-Chargers uh, game, the Chargers featuring their dark blue uniforms, uh, she took the Ravens. In the Monday night matchup of the Bears versus the Vikings, she took the Vikings. She finally got one pick wrong because the Eagles beat the Chiefs. That was her first incorrect pick in the three, I think, weeks that she's been doing the picks for us, officially slash unofficially. She got the Vikings one wrong too, right? I believe so. Did she? Oh, she got the Vikings one wrong. Never mind. Okay. She's got two picks wrong. Come on, Steph. Get your shit together. She has six chances to get back on track this week. Uh, we are all identical with our, with our pickums, and uh, we have Steph's picks as well. So we'll see how this week goes uh, for Steph. We'll see if she's better than us at picking these games. Okay. Do we have anything else? The all-important MLS playoffs returns this weekend. Oh, yes. Sporting mm -hmm. Kansas City is in Houston this Sunday playing Houston Dynamo. Uh, it's going to happen at 6 p.m. Central, so a little bit of crossover with that Chiefs-Raiders game when it happens. Hopefully, the Chiefs have the game well out of reach, and they're on their way to an ECW, so I can focus all my attention on the SKC and Houston Dynamo conference semifinals game. Every game that Sporting KC has, I expect us to lose, and we still come out winning them. So hopefully something good happens here. Hopefully we get onto the conference finals. We're one of the hottest teams in the MLS right now. So fingers crossed for that one. KU football took a hard L to uh, K-State this past week. So any any chance we had of, of having a really, really good record at the end of the season is gone. But we do have a game this week, one last game against Cincinnati. Uh, we'll see how things go for us. We're still going to be better than we were last year record-wise. So it's a W for KU football. Yeah, just, I guess uh, just happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners. Um, Let's go. Uh, and I hope you have a good one, no matter how you celebrate, even if it's just staying home and watching uh, a Lions victory. Not used to saying that on Thanksgiving that much either, are you? <laughs> nope, but it's happened. It has. I've <laughs> been to happened. a couple of them. <laughs> Almost happened last year, too. 
Uh, hopefully it does happen for them this year. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. I'm thankful for my boys here. I'm thankful for each and every one of our many, many devoted listeners. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that we get to keep doing the show. Sorry for how long the show was. Uh, I kind of figured it was going to go this way. But yeah, thank thank all of you for being with us for this whole journey here. And I think without any further ado, that'll do it for us this week. Recapping week 11 and a little bit of week 10. We'll be back next week to recap week 12 of the NFL season for you. Happy Thanksgiving, folks, and we'll see you next week. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble.